this is going to be this is going to be another episode of Summary Insight. Monty just used the word go there instead of like zero or whatever. It's all good. We're here. We're live. That's all that matters. <laughs> we are back. Obviously, I know, guys, that when you're, by the way, but as a random, this isn't the an outro of one of my videos on my YouTube channel, but shout out to Jerky's Minion, believe it or not. Not for anything to do with the screen Illuminati, but he gave like 20 gifted subs. So we do appreciate that. If people don't know, one of the, one of the true patrons of. Sort of our renaissance of esports content <laughs> in, in, in many ways. And I actually did do this, by the way, on my actual Patreon. In many ways, he deserves the title because if you get to the top level on mine, one of them is just called Squilluminati House of Medici. <laughs> if you get to like the top level, you patronize people, Monty. That's one of the tears that I created. It was like, like Squill Gates as well. You know, there's a whole bunch <laughs> of out there with angles. So, anyway, shout out to him. Also, by the way, obviously, I know while you guys listen to me and Monty entertain you on a stream about League of Legends esports, you're going to go. Or something's missing, isn't it? It's not the same without sort of like someone behind doing an obnoxious chant or maybe sort of like whistles or some sort of like drum, you know, some sort of like early primitive, like Neolithic scene or something, you know, some sort of campfire. <laughs> I couldn't tell whether I was watching the fucking Northman or fucking LEC there. What's going on? Like, anyway, so the point is, obviously, everyone's loving that. But I tell you what, Monty, sometimes there is a factor missing because you know what? You know those times, Monty, you've been playing and it takes forever, but you finally finish the game. You're like, damn, I won. You know what? Could be anything. Maybe the queue took too long. Draft got remade. Game stalled out. That top lane, Nasus, will not group with the team because he's a hero. <laughs> You're making a killing in the game, but you haven't got time to cook your food as your free time is disappearing like the grains of sand in an hourglass, Monty. The kitchen is a ghost town. You're so hungry, you're about to go nuclear. Then it sounds like Factor is for you. They're ready to eat meals. Are the buff your gaming sessions need? No need to cook. A few minutes to prepare. They're the real showmaker. Skip delivery time and stress of dealing with takeout apps. Factor is cheaper and quicker. They have all kinds of meal plans and dietary considerations. Don't feel like you're hoity-toity. That is such an insane crowbar, but listen. Don't feel like, if you remember Hoity, the old support player, don't feel like you're hoity-toity for wanting to eat quality food without preparing the meal yourself. Check out their Gourmet Plus menus, D+. See, I've, I've got everything here, boys. Just let me cook. Let me cook so you don't have to, with Factor. Don't end up in a food coma after getting bloated from fast food. They've got more items than a barrel build, but theirs go together in a manner that's also complimentary, makes sense and is gold efficient can you dig it then stay lucid and help support last free nation by treating yourself to 50 percent off some factor by heading to factormeals.com slash lfn50 and use code lfn50 to get 50 percent off your order wait a minute is that is this the Grand Canyon? That's code LFN50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your order. Oh, wait, Monty, I guess that can't have been the Grand Canyon. He doesn't repeat around the world. <laughs> well done. Bravo, bravo, bravo. <laughs> Even crammed in the old height support, people don't know when they were just coming up as down one. That that was a masterclass. But put that out. Send that out around the market agencies <laughs> of the world. Send it out. Yeah. Factormeals.com slash LFN50. 50% off, guys. Um, by the way, Dom is basically living on this shit right now. No All jokes. Right. <laughs> okay. So I know Dom's not here, so I'm going to give him his second hand, the seal of approval 
Um, because with his like insane streaming schedule, I know he he's he's in love with Factor at the moment. So cross network approved by LFN. Thank you. Thank you very much to Factor. Uh, also, HelloFresh, still there for you as well. Uh, they are part of the same company. One is the meal kits and one is the prepared meals. So either way. And uh, if you guys are trying to use this internationally, please let us know if the code does not work for Factor. If you're outside of the United States, that was very helpful last week when you guys gave us that feedback for HelloFresh. So hopefully we can get that all activated for you guys in the future. All right. Very, very good. Uh yeah, I I like the way you kicked that off because I was doing VOD reviews on my stream this oh, week for my, for, my, <laughs> for my bangers only. And I was so tilted because the LEC oh. production would not fix the crowd Metal. volume yep. compared to the casters. And it, I, by the time I was in day three, I was like, have they just not figured out to just yep. lower the fader on Spot the crowd it. volume right now? Because it was just completely overpowering the casters and the game sounds. Dude, here's the thing that people aren't going to get, because they're going to think this is just another episode of two old men shout at an esports cloud, which would, by the way, be a great alternative joke name for this show, wouldn't it? But we're really good at doing it. I'll tell you what, we don't just shout at the cloud. It's a cloud. Like, no, I believe that's a Nimbus one of the quality of the time. Exactly. We have we have skills. We have the you know, ability of the sort of reference and things to talk to. But here's the problem, right? The problem is this, Monty. This is where people are getting really lost. It's a very nuanced opinion. Guess what? I think it's great that they have this atmosphere in the studio. By the way, if I was in the studio, like a football game, this is what I'd want. This is what I'd be in the campaign. And if all those insane fans are pulling from, that's the opposite I'd like to think of. By the way, if I was like last sport, this would make things more healthy. This won't be just... Think this too many times. This is production staff that isn't used to actually having a crowd. And so they're so high on having the crowd that they're letting it come through these mics because they're so big up on it. But as Monty says, think about this, guys. When you actually watch a football match, you don't hear the crowd like that. The crowd is very, very minimal in the background because you're not there. It would be obnoxious for the viewer at home to listen to. So what they do is they do have mics like in Counter-Strike to hear the clutch of the crowd. But you don't have it where every single chant can be heard. And if one person keeps chanting, if you do that, that will get annoying by the way i've even heard in sports and you probably see this like if in the nfl or the nba the, the one mic in the crowd in one area is close to one person who just they just move it or ask the person to show up for real so i do agree about it because that that was getting a bit older like i actually like the idea it's happening but you've 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 made it to, it shouldn't be too much of the broadcast in my opinion if you know what i mean what are you gonna say <laughs> oh no i was just uh, like you you went a little bit robotic there for a second but we got it we got oh, it in okay. the end. Yeah, enough, yeah you're okay. good it was just perfect uh, on my inside so okay. <laughs> yeah 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 no we got we got it um so yeah i think i think when it comes to the crowd noise though the problem is like it's also not funny i'm all for hearing about the football chants Thorin, and like having the entertainment there but i want the uk style ones where they're just profane and highly insulting and so i'm entertained hearing the french yeah. just shout allez 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 let's go is not fun and just annoying so i'm not i'm it's not really about that Monty. So they said the same thing in Counter-Strike when we first had events. So a famous example was when Astralis was at the top, Monty, they started having ESL events in Copenhagen, Odense, etc. And then obviously Blast was always in Copenhagen too, right? The problem is it's the same argument again. If you complained about the crowd being annoying, Monty, a fan would go, but what about sports? It's like, mate, the problem with the uh, fans, if everyone knows in Counter-Strike was, because they were casual Astralis fans, Monty, the only chant was, let's go Astralis, let's go. 
over and over again, like Chinese water torture for hours and hours. That's not what they do at football. Like, have you ever been to football, by the way? One of the reasons there are drums is people, like, lead certain songs and there's people who start yeah. the song off. And as you say, Monty, some of them are created. Like, that's the other thing. If you know, like, the banter culture of UK football... Dude, you could come up with so many funny angles. Like, instead of just, like, jeering at El Yoya, do some sort of a clever song about him and Niski or something like that, you know. Do something that, like, refers to the bar- drama or the beef or do some song about Ebi or something. That would be... that. If you give some variety, then it will give it a bit of sort of spice, I think. Yeah. I agree. There is, there is some entertainment, though. I enjoy what kind of the Spanish fans and French fans are the vibe that they're bringing though. Like that part's not annoying. Here's what, here's the one thing you cannot deny. They have made the stakes of like, semi-meaningless BO1s way higher than they ever were, guys. Like, if we've all complained in the past about them, like, the joke was Mad Lions won one game and people acted like they were on, like, a 15-game winning streak and everyone else was trashing you. It was... It, but at the same time, Monty, I, I like the idea people give a fuck. You know what I mean? Everyone was engaged as hell. I mean, the joke is, because of... Now, the stakes of if the team wins or loses is, like, are you going to get flamed? Like, if you imagine people like Yamato in all those games where his team would always be in a winning position and then just give the game up. If you imagine he wasn't like, ah, oh, bloody hell, I'm going to hear about this. Like, I bet he already went to like muted conversation on all the tweets before the game. You know what I mean? Like, you know what's coming. But at the same time, that is going to make it spicy. So I don't mind that angle. And I've actually got an angle I thought I could bring up with you here, Monty, because there's two sort of like, there's a good and a bad we can do on this. Yeah, basically, I actually think Cage will join a fanatic. You've only seen this one tweet so far. If they do it, this approach, one, it's mega, and two, this should be the future, as well as having fans on. Because here's the thing, Monty, what's clever about the when they did this tweet where he basically just said, fanatic say, if I get like, I think it was like 100K likes or something on this tweet, right. they'll actually wear this like jersey with like his little ratty more thing on the back. Because obviously then all his fan base will be loving it that they'll wait for an official game, right? You can imagine, guys, that immediately got insane engagement. And by the way, if they just wear it for one game, it's not like it makes them unfair. That's actually like a banger activation. Like, yeah, yeah, by the way, sure. really about that. if you have an influence who can move like hundreds of thousands of people to do a certain action and click, that is, that is actually mad valuable. And it was even making me realize, Monty, that's the one trick that the teams have missed so far. They will hire streamers to stream for them and they will hire people to co-stream. But what's hilarious is, bear in mind the G2 social media approach of have the social media people battle. No, no. What you should actually do is just hire influencers to battle each other as a proxy war. Like, you should actually, for real, by the way, if you're like G2, hire like Dom or something, you idiot. So then he can battle like Cadron Fanatic and then someone else can be on like Vita. You know, like, make the team say, I actually think for real, this approach could be really good. Because let's be real, influencers are the best at doing the social media. Like, these guys, like Cadron, like I say, has nailed it. Yeah, I, they're they're just going to be the orgs Pokemon that they throw into battle. <laughs> it works though, right? It would be entertaining, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, we already got some of that to a degree because obviously Yamato Cannon is one of the higher profile uh, oh. coaches with Ibai kind of going in on him for stupid reasons about like, I was going to ask about that. Reasons. That was the next topic. What do you think yeah. about that, by the way? Because here's my problem with that is, I don't know the Ibai guy. And unlike people on the eSports Awards panel, I don't pretend I speak Spanish when I don't. So I have no idea what he says. He's just a guy who comes out and sure, says yeah. a bunch of stuff in Spanish. And, and I, last time I did Spanish, I was about 16 years old. So I'm surprised I don't really remember that much, do I? You know, un, petit, un, un poquito más. <laughs> so basically... 
He came out, and I could only see when he does the tweets because I can translate them. He just did a really, like, rude, bizarre tweet towards Yamato. Here's where I actually don't like those guys, by the way, who lead the big, massive, ultra fan bases. They never are just cool people, Monty, you were trying. They always sell it like that, like, I'm just trying to make it more fun and make it engaging and let's have, like, fans. And then what they always are is just, like, their fucking, like, witch master general leading their mob of people with a pitchfork towards you because they just got annoyed at you. So because Yamato had the audacity to be, like, I thought Koi was was in LEC last year because they were but the joke is they were sponsoring fucking Rogue the most boring team of all time so they didn't have any of these fans did they unsurprisingly they weren't like people lined up with fucking drums like oh Larson 11 CS when I thought he'd have 10 they weren't doing any of that shit were they so obviously it's even a good fucking like barb back but instead of just by the way as you idiot fans would think a real influencer would do this actually shows by the way it buys somewhat of, of an amateur this is amateur hour what you do is you banter back in similar fashion and if you do it right by the way everyone gets to like it and it's funny and it blows it up in a cool way all he did is just really salty just be like yeah who cares oh you had 100k views and I want to all right Ibai so you're actually basically think about this mate I'm sure you love football because you're from Spain right this is like you finally got into La Liga the Bain League you watched your whole life you've dreamed of being in football of course everyone in football in Spain wants to be involved in La Liga and you know fucking Real Madrid Barcelona Athletic. oh no you don't want to sponsor one of those teams you just want to sponsor any team even a shit team in La Liga as long as your Twitch stream gets for you what's that got to do with being a fan of La Liga you dickhead like what I don't get about this is it's not even a good donk mate his donk is I have like 100k Spanish people on my stream like <laughs> first of all I'll just hurt everyone's feelings right now I didn't say this Actually, the world of finance said this, but a Spaniard is not equal to an American. And that's not some sort of like a philosophical statement. That's just financially. Believe that's it or CPMs, not, one of, the reasons, yeah, the, one of the reasons why you can actually have, for example, on the Brazilian broadcast, enormous viewership, but those same people aren't like Ninja or Shroud and don't live in a mansion in LA is because unfortunately, there's just not as much sponsor money for certain areas. So like, by the way, shout out to Abai. He has done an insane job cultivating a national yeah. audience that does have an interest in esports. My problem is just in this particular scenario, it's like, what? what I don't really get why they, t it, it feels to me like he took your Marto's comment, comment as some sort of crazy, like in cutting remark. I didn't see it that way. I, th I thought your Marto's was, seems pretty frivolous. It feels quite lighthearted, so, isn't it? Here, here's, here's, my, here's my theory, Thorin. I think that that coy rogue breakup was pretty nasty uh, based on based on the information that was like coming out about Ibai. I mean, the fact maybe... it was leaked that he was owed money. Sounds like his people put that out there, doesn't it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, and like, it seems like there were sure. some financial improprieties or like Ibai sure. was spending money to like prop yeah. up the rogue org. So I, I would guess that if he had just left and it was kind of innocuous Thorin, that maybe he wouldn't have responded like that. But I did, I think there was probably some oh, salt he, in a wound there. You think he there. perceived it as like trying to open the wound again and poke yeah. it? You think that's what he thought Yamato was doing? Well, yeah. Yamato was, to be fair. Could be, could be. Yeah, and so I, I think even if he didn't perceive that Yamato was doing that, I think he's probably still tilted about that situation. And so any mention of it uh, may in fact set him off. Now, should it cause him to react like that? Obviously not. Especially like kind of in the childish way that he did, just talking about viewership as if that matters. Like you sponsored a team last year and they were just kind of a categorical failure uh, across. I mean, they, they certainly underperformed across the LEC and there were not a lot of expectations coming in for Mad Lions Koi. And it is ridiculous to have a team called Koi be a different team in the LEC this year. 
I mean, frankly, that should just not be allowed. Like it should, it just riot should have just said no to that. Like they should say you can be part of the Mad Lions org, but you're not going to bring back the Koi brand because it's too confusing, and we're not going to have this I mean, jump around yeah. from team to team. Mate, didn't you think that was crazy? This is what I said on Twitter, and people will never get this. Like, first of all, I care about esports history, dickheads. I put 22 years of my adult life into that exact endeavor. So I care about things like, it's why people go like, why do you obsess about who wins an award or who is top 20 in Counter-Strike? Because in 20 years, a fan will look at that website and look back in time to him and go, wow, that was the best player in 2023. Oh my God, this team was on top. And those things do matter for history. Like, people need the shorthand. So, similarly, Monty, if someone looks back now on Gamepedia, yes, of course it will say Mad Lions Koi, but the other team Rogue renamed to Koi. So what it will look like is Mad Lions like bought Koi's team. They didn't. It's yeah. like literally you just changed the branding. Now all I'll say is think of the sports example, guys. Right? It's one thing. Yes, obviously the Raiders can move from Los Angeles, Auckland to fucking Las Vegas, but it's not like they actually like fucking changed like the franchise. It's not like the Colts and the Raiders go. We're just going to change names. Like we're the Colts now, and you're the Raiders. And then every time in history, someone goes. And then of course you guys um, in the Colts used to have Peyton Manning, and they're like, Peyton, we didn't. We had Rich Gannon. What are you talking about? Like they just ruined history to do it. Like as Monty says, he's not making a crazy demand. Can we just have it where either you buy the org and that's it's just the name of the org from now on, and then you sell that if you don't want it, or make it like you should have. What you could have also done, even though it's not as good, is you could at least have called it Rogue Coin instead of just Coy. Because I agree, the fact it was Coy for you, and now Mad Lions is Coy, but a totally separate org to me is very silly. Like that's gonna look bad on all these wikis, like I say. <laughs> it's just like a virus that's hopping from team to team across the LAC. <laughs> but enough about it buying his fan base. <laughs> That was the implication. Uh, that was the implication. Uh, <laughs> and to be fair, whenever there is um, sort of sickness like that, Monty, brewing and incubating, you will find rats, diseased rats, <laughs> screaming, running around the outside, which is obviously Cadrill's people, isn't it? So there you go. We've got them all. Got them all in. By the way, the real thing I actually do feel low-key bad for is this is where Yamato, on the one hand, if he has the mental for it, could actually do insane numbers and work this year. Not only in the game, but obviously now he has the circus outside of the game he could be involved in. Or it will completely destroy his mental as he simultaneously attempts to walk the tightrope of head coach of a massive hype team with massive players and a lot of money spent. And, like, caught fan bases for around the world well, so let's think, if anyone could do it i'll say I'll, he has a he, chance i feel like he's got like sort of the he, person the, the overwhelming optimism to do it but man it's gonna be hard it's he has strong hard. mental number one and number yes. two like i said thorin he spent the entirety of last year basically just courting the carmine court fest remember when he was on the show and sure, i said that yes. he had been streaming like vod reviews yes. of all their games and that was his most watched content so he had already figured out how to butter up those fans he, he'd been working on it for a while i think he'll do just fine he's he's had an entire year of preparation for this moment by the way we will actually maybe talk about some of the games later like this is obviously the topic about the fans right i've got a question for you I know we're all used to the crazy narrative whiplash of best of ones anyway, because that's what League of Legends has been in the West. But when people, after this, like, one Mad Lions game, were like, I told you, what the, you want them to, like, people after one feel one. It's like, guys, we can't be at fever pitch. This is how you know that this circuit doesn't work, because you've all been fiending for leagues since World's End so much that you just lost, you've blown your load completely. The second you 
Leon Buttons the first like button of the fucking cardigan. Like, you haven't even seen any skin. Yeah, you idiot. You've worn your look. Oh, oh, my lions. Oh, like, fucking, you've already bought it already. Like, settle in for fuck's sake, guys. Settle in. Come on. It's it's not even that. It's just the next day they also got ultra clapped by SK Gaming. Oh, no, exactly. it, it lasted. It lasted. You know, less that's than twenty four hours. Let me find the tweet because you know what? Every now and then someone nails it. You probably saw this. This one that Rich's wrath did. That was along those lines where I'll give him credit. Because obviously he's been, he loves actually inciting all the stupid Spanish and French fans to go ham on him. And somehow he is one of those people who could just handle it. I don't know. So I'll see if I can find it because he had a really good one. As you can imagine, there's been one million tweets. Let me just quickly. Oh, here we go. It goes. It's after the second game, once it goes, congrats to SK for beating world champions Madcoy. Madcoy's incredible run of one BO win, BO1 win against a trash team comes to an end. Hashtag LEC. <laughs> Here's the thing. That's like that joke, you know, like some people, you know, play the violin, but Rich just plays Twitter. Well done. You just absolutely played those fan bases. That's, that's actually sick. Well done. Respect. Yeah, and it, you know, it turns out that SK might actually be the best team in LEC right like now. Yeah, yeah, they looked they've looked really good this week. Um, and like pretty well rounded. We'll get into some complaints, but you know, I think the Niski value has been absolutely insane. Did love the Elioya Niski rivalry match between Mad Lions. That was fun. Let's do, let's do the game stuff in a minute because there's a couple more other topics that are like in line with last week's episode I wanted to bring up. So there's two for you. So one is, I've linked you some of this stuff. Mate, the angle that Travis is going on now, <laughs> while on the one hand, as a content creator, it's funny. Mate, there's a really sinister undertone that I don't think people are getting from this. So he's done these two things now. One was he made this video about where it was like, Mark Z will fail as the LCS commission and then did like an image as though it was like a gotcha, like, you know, crossed out eyes or something. But then when you watched it, obviously it was just a joke. It was sort of Travis talking about all the things that like could happen and all that. And then... And he was, by the way, he was directly trying to meme and reference without ever naming the names because he's Travis. All people like us and people who critiqued him and did critiqued Mark. Then he made a video where it was like him confronting Mark Z and like the new commissioner. Right. Here's what I don't get. Isn't the punchline that Travis, we, isn't the punchline of these whole videos that people say Travis pretends to be a journalist doesn't actually put people's feet to the fire. And since his friend is the commissioner, obviously he won't do that there and he will give him special treatment and he'll just sort of be like, a, it'll essentially be like a form of nepotism. That's the punchline you are playing off while doing that in the video. That's the part. I can't comprehend that part because here's the part I don't get, guys. If you guys say that he doesn't call himself a journalist and he's just a content creator, and essentially this is like one of those like Thorsten videos where it's a funny skit, then yeah, this is funny. The problem is Travis is doing what he always does, which is, first of all, I think Richard pointed this out, you can find a billion references of him saying he's a journalist in, in history in his videos, obviously. He just decides that, you know, when, when the time suits him and the moment suits him to say he's not a journalist like a lot of those Lakers do, you'll notice. But then the other thing is, I, as far as I know, whether he calls himself the term journalist, he clearly does think that he does like legit interviews and that he does that. By the way, if you don't know, guys, one of the reasons Travis gets a bit annoyed is people all do say, oh, he's just a sellout shill. But in his own way, he does think he takes stands, by the way, and he does sometimes have disagreements with Riot slash the Reddit mods. Yes, obviously, they're usually masked by he has his own direct, like, <laughs> he would gain if this situation... Yeah, there's obviously that baked in, but he does actually think he takes stands. So what's funny is he's in this 
awkward no man's land he's always been in in league where he'll never quite get like the original you're not like a proper journalist but at the same time he's not just a rioter so I feel like that what's weird about these videos and generally the responses dude I can't believe how much Reddit actually writes with Travis on all these topics like the dude is they actually think we're just like nah why are you being me just leave him alone it's like that sort of thing like what it's like leave Bradley alone <laughs> what do you think of this approach because like I said to me I don't get it because as far as I can tell the punchline is like the stereotypes are true. Like you actually are just making light of something that you're going, of course, this isn't kids, but it, but it is, isn't it? Isn't, isn't this video, by the way, it's sort of proof that you never, like you never will put these feet to the fire. It's just your mate, isn't he? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? I, I mean, I think what he will say is that in the interview he did with Mark Z, that he tried uh, to do that or like made an attempt sure. because he referenced, you know, conversations they had had on Hotline League about, um, you know, removing imports potentially from yeah. the LCS so that you don't have a like the carousel of like random imports coming for a year and then leaving, which leads to no player longevity really in the LCS, which I, I think is a fair criticism of of, you know, lack of fan interest. But I, I think that they're they're really just aiming too low. The The main problem is just that young people in North America don't care about League of Legends. Like, that's that's the issue. And they yeah, for sure. they got there because they ran with... They didn't they didn't build a robust Tier 2 like we saw in Europe with the ERLs and EU Masters. And, um, you know, they Riot backed. They invested in Play Versus and then... Who had an idiot for a CEO. And then they... After that, they made it so it was... League of Legends in high schools was exclusive to play versus and play versus was just basically running a protection racket and receiving payments from high schools. And I hate to tell you guys, most public schools aren't flush with cash to play play ver to you know pay play versus to to do League of Legends. And I'm doing a little work with play versus now um because they have a new management team that's involved and I think it's going to be a lot better where they are making it free for high schools. But I mean, this could have happened 10 years ago. Oh, you know what sure. I mean? And I think that because there is no, there was no youth competitive system or, or or aspirational path, and collegiate just isn't it because no pro teams want a twenty-two year old rookie. Like that's not what they're yeah, looking for. The they want a seventeen-year-old yep. rookie. So I think that there were a lot of problems uh, with the way that League of Legends was handled in America, and it has resulted in few young people you know, engaging with the league. So a lot of the suppositions about what LCS could be, um, I think maybe it would be a little bit better if we had more North American players who had been in the league for a long period of time as opposed to a carousel of random imports. Um, but I don't think that's the real problem. But he did, you know, try and be like, well, we talked about this earlier. And all of a sudden, Marx is very evasive about his opinions. Oh, I don't know if we're going to do that. Oh, I, I got to, you know, the owners and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, obviously, famously, the owners are the ones who say Riot just jams through things all the time because yes. they don't actually have a say in the rules of the league. This is just true. Like, Riot can do whatever the fuck they want. And so to have a conversation with the owners is kind of irrelevant. The, the real thing is Mark Z doesn't have that power because, again, as we've talked about in previous shows, he doesn't have any power. Uh, to affect the rules of the league because he's not really a commissioner. He's a product guy. Um, so, I mean, I think I think that's the that's the real issue here is that a lot of his answers have suddenly become very mealy mouthed. Um, and he's not going to he's not going to be able I don't think he's, it's in his power to be able to do anything that will affect uh, these issues. And nor do I think that these issues 
would have a, a very large effect on the league. I think some of the things he's doing within the scope of what he is capable of are ideas that should be thrown out there because at the end of the day, you can't do nothing. LCS is oh, in a gosh. death spiral. So doing yeah. the same thing that has gotten you to this point that has seen your viewership drop by 80% since 2016, you can't keep doing that. So you might as well just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks, right? So I agree with the fact, like, might as well try live patch. Do I think that's going to do anything to viewership? No. I don't think people care that much who are esports fans about live patch. Maybe a little bit. Um, but the thing is, is that if live patch is successful, that'll just be duplicated by the other regions. Everybody will just do live patch. Like, why wouldn't other regions do that? If if it boosts viewership, it's if it's an immediate boost. So then LCS still, you know, in terms of perspective of the other leagues, still way down. Um, they're obviously not going to do fearless draft at a professional level because these teams have to go compete internationally. So it would require every league in the world to adopt fearless draft because otherwise NA is going to be wildly unprepared for any kind of international competition because it's literally them playing with an entirely different rule set for draft. So you're not going to do that. Um, I do like the idea that he is reducing break time within the league, like between matches, as you know, Thorin, you know, both of us are analyst desk guys, right? Yeah. And we both know that in every esports broadcast, in every single game, the desk is the death of viewership. Oh, now, is. the desk is better than ads at retaining viewers. The desk is better than a break screen with a countdown timer for retaining viewers. But at the end of the day, you are trying to the, – the purpose of between game segments is to bleed as little viewership as you possibly can, fully understanding that you are going to bleed viewership to a certain degree. It's about minimizing the loss. So I think the idea of doing pick and ban, recording it, and then because if you guys don't know what the players do on stage in League of Legends, you're either swapping out teams, right? And once you swap out teams, they have to do their checks. They have to get their settings in order. They have to, you know, go into a custom and like warm up a little bit, right? So if you have that, if you're waiting for that and then you do the pick ban, you do the draft, well, you've basically doubled the amount of time. And yes. I think that if you do the pick ban in advance and then while the players are swapping out, while they're warming up, that's when you do the live commentary of the pick ban as if it is live with the casters having seen it for yeah, the yeah. first time on screen. What's the problem with that? That's just a great way to reduce to reduce yes. time between games. I think it's a very good idea. I think yeah, it's a very good idea. on that. One is as long as, like you say at the end there, the casters don't actually know what the veto is, they can still react live the same way. Yeah. If, as if someone does, if if Mickey X does a Hillasang support pick, you can still react like it's crazy and it won't seem fake, like if you'd known he was going to do it, yeah. right? So there's that already. And then the other part is, you're absolutely right, because I've always thought the stupidest part about League is you're actually even encouraged to only pick the champion at the last second. It's like a little fucking thing they do purposely. So like the joke is even if you knew one second in what you were going to pick, you don't really just pick it instantly. You always drain the clock. So, like, instead of having, like, essentially fucking 10 Bill Belichicks just getting no delay of penalty fucking sustained or whatever, can we just fucking know already? Like, do that off stage before the broadcast. I, I agree with it. It's uh, As long as they handle it so that there's never a leaked thing to the other... Not, as long as there's no dodgy thing with the info, I think this is a way better... It's just an, actually a pretty obvious change once you look at it. It's a good idea. 
And also, Thorin, I think another good thing about this is that it forces production to do something different. And as we both know, so many producers, they just want to go by the run of show. So what they do is they create their little run of show, the producer, and they go, okay, we're just going to copy paste this after every game, desk segment, desk segment, do the same thing over, 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 over and over because it's easiest for them. And they don't want to have to turn on their brains or like do something interesting a lot of the time. They're here to show up, say the same things, call the same cues, go home, go to sleep. They don't want any surprises. They don't want to take any risks ever. Um, and so what's interesting about this, Thorin, is that they've said that during the games, the analysts, so since there's going to be fewer analyst segments during the games, they're going to be filming alternative kinds of content, which is, I think is great, by the way. Yeah. Because frankly, guys, if it's a shit game, why are we doing an analyst segment about some garbage? You know, like, let's do a skit. Instead, let's figure out something more interesting to fill that time with. Let's shift into talking about the next teams because they're they're having a much more exciting match. Let's pull some footage about this, you know, the new meta, right? And have a general conversation about the new meta. There's so much more interesting stuff you can do yes. if your producers, if you tell your producers, we're, we're having more of a free-form creative time here. We've got to come up with something. And I think it yeah, also yeah. gets the best out of your analysts. So I'm actually very excited to see what the LCS does with this kind of schedule, and I think it's a very good idea. By the way, one thing I dream of, I don't know that you'll ever actually see this on LCS. I know they did a few cold opens. By the way, they even did a cold open that I can tell you behind the scenes. They're so proud of, Monty. That's just a copy of our, like, Chinatown skit we did with Loco. They just did their own version of that years later, like, Worlds or something. Like, it was almost the same skit. Although the joke is, I don't think they did think of it. I think it was just a bad example of parallel thinking because ours was better. Like, we even had sort of, like, it's, it's Griffin, Monty, and then walked away with Loco or whatever it was. Like, yeah, yeah. We nailed it as usual. But I actually would love, by the way, if that sort of environment, if this could be used for that. If people, during the, yeah. the day's play, if there's some crazy moment in game one come up with a funny skit record it and then maybe it plays on like the end of the show and it's like a banger and could go straight to social media and get viral i think there's so many angles you could like because in this scenario what we're talking about is you can't actually change the level of play unless you're willing to change the format and things like that but you can change how good the broadcast is you can unleash these analysts too by the way some of them are funny people if we have them on our shows they'll have all funny points and silly memes to come up with have that on the broadcast if it's good as long as it's good and it's got like a chance to succeed chuck it on there yeah, I think I think the problem though is like it doesn't matter how good the broadcast is and this is why I just think the problem with LCS is fundamentally unsolvable, Lauren, is that well it's not unsolvable. There's a way to solve it, but what it would require is Riot buying out a bunch of the franchise teams in order to combine Latin America, Brazil and America and LCS or combining LCS and LEC. LCS on its own cannot be saved. And the problem with buying out franchise teams, Thorin, is that these guys are already sticking around. They already turned down this $6 million buyout or whatever it ended up being. It's around $6 million that, uh, you know, they paid to Golden Guardians and to EG. And these teams said, no, we're not going to take that buyout. We're just going to ride this out. And if they heard that there's going to be a new combined league of some sort, why would they sell? Right. They're obviously like, oh, there's huge upside yeah, yeah. potentially in this. We're already in. We've been in for years. Like, of course, we're going to ride this out, which means 
that Riot would have to pay a lot more than $6 million to buy out some of right. these teams. All of a sudden, right. the price is $25 million, $30 yeah. million, right? Smaller and they'd have to, one. yeah, of course. Right, and so you, you have to like then you know, buy these teams out for that price, and maybe that's not even enough money if they think that the upside is good enough, right? So, and they they have legal agreements with these teams where they can't kick them out. So any kind of move you want to take about merging the LCS with something else, you can't have eight teams from LCS, like period. Or alternatively, you can't have all those teams from CB LOL either. And, the, you know, those are partner teams as well. So you're gonna have to start buying people out. It becomes very, very expensive. Does Riot even want to do that? Because they can just kind of not care about LCS at the end of the day, cut its budget and just kind of let it die rather than spending potentially hundreds of millions of dollars on buyouts. Um, so I'm not sure it makes any business sense for Riot to do that as long as the teams, you know, refuse to, you know, some of their teams refuse to exit. I don't know how you solve this problem besides doing that. But if you do not do that, the problem with LCS is this. As I said earlier, you have failed to generate a younger viewership for this league like it exists in Korea, China, and Europe, where there are plenty of young people who are watching these leagues, right? They they constantly have a new stream of young players. So you still have all the old players that were watching and playing, but you have a bunch of young ones as well. NA really doesn't have that, as far as I can tell. They If they do have it, they're certainly not watching esports. Let's put it that way. Um and the joke is if they're in like the riot space, they're watching Valorant instead of League anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um now the other issue, the other issue is that the people who are older, who have stuck around League of Legends, Thorin, generally are not dis they have no illusion about the competitive success of LCS right now. Oh, of course not. They know after 10 years of failure, even yeah. the most diehard TSM fan has been broken from Reginald's web of lies about TSM, their goal is to win Worlds, and that's somehow feasible. Everybody knows that no NA team is ever going to win an international competition ever again. And so if you are a, uh, if you are an older fan, you cannot cling to this hope, oh, if I watch LCS, these teams are going to be so good, TSM's going to do so well. First off, TSM is God, good fucking riddance, but take your fans with you. But it does. it is a big hit to LCS viewership. Awesome. Second off, if you are not delusional anymore, you are probably spending your time watching LPL or LCK if you want the best gameplay, or if you just want the best Western region, you're probably watching LEC. So who is watching also, LCS? Get the vibe, Monty. As far as I know, all the people who are like the older people, like people who are in my Discord and my fan base, they all tell me even when they watch LCS, they only watch like a Dom course. They don't have watched the main broadcast this year. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's there's a lot of people that, you know, the older fans know, know LCS is trash and they know NA is trash. And there hasn't been, to the, the, the fairness of Marxy and, and Travis's criticism in the past, there has been, you know, very few players that have people have held on to. But now all the legacy oh, brands gosh. are gone. TSM is gone. Yep. CLG is gone. Doublelift is gone. Bjergsen is gone. 
There's nothing left. Lords, fucking hoodie. Everyone's gone, man. Yeah. Who's e- left? Every- everybody's like gone. Jensen, that's about it. That's about it, right? <laughs> Who's left? It's just him on his own. <laughs> Jensen and like wild turtle streaming. Like, I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> it's like who it is. Yeah. So, so you have the point is you have no influx of new fans who care about North American League of Legends. You've done nothing to build up grassroots fandoms. You haven't created rivalries. Like, clearly, yes. Carmine Corp and a Matt Carmine Corp and Mad Lions Koi in a best of one is completely fucking meaningless guys, but it had over oh, no. 700,000 concurrent See, viewers. That BO1 had more rivalry sticks attached than the LCS finals guys. Yes. <laughs> it did. And it, it was a BO1 that, at the beginning of the season. That piece <laughs> of shit BO1 Thorin had over yeah. 700,000 concurrent viewers. That yes. is crazy. Okay, and by the way, you guys can rewind and look at the history of this show. How many times did I advocate on this show? Split the LCS into two divisions. Make 12 teams, not 10. Six in Los Angeles, six on the East Coast in New York. You create conferences, East Coast versus West Coast, like you have in uh, traditional sports in America, right? Like NBA, Eastern Conference, Western Conference, right? And then what you do is you have them like play around Robin there. And then you have the teams like three teams from each fly to the other studio. And then you do like the interconference play and you create fan bases in different regional locations in America. So people give a shit. You know, nobody cares. Like, so you have no grassroots local fandom, despite the fact that Riot went, just fell over themselves over the years saying, oh, we want to be like the NFL. We we're we're going to be the next big sport. But they didn't do any of the things to generate grassroots fandom. They didn't do anything to get young people playing the game and investing and like invest in North American talent. So there would be a talent pipeline so that the region could be potentially better and internationally successful. And they broadcast all the other leagues in English. So if you care about gameplay... You're not going to watch North America. So I'm begging you. I'm begging to know who the fuck is going to start watching LCS suddenly in the year of our Lord 2024. Who is this person? Who is this magic unicorn who knows nothing about esports, who knows nothing about the competitive League of Legends circuit, who says, my time is now. It is because we are on live patch. Well, to be fair, don't don't sell yourself short. Travis might watch this season. <laughs> Whatever. Well, just follow up back, guys. I did the thing where I switched your and I changed what I all meant, didn't I? Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Like, follow, what I, follow what you said. I'll be watching some of it. Like, also, I'll throw this out there. I actually want even more from the EU fans. Like, I loved it so far. We've had this really crazy Spanish-French one. The only thing is, though, SK Gamer's doing great. Where are the German fans? Where's the nationalism from you guys? Where's the songs? Where's the... Ch- oh, yeah, never mind. Never mind, actually. Yeah, never mind. So, you know, whatever. It kind of came back at the last World Cup that was in Germany. It did a little bit. It did. It, it, did it kind of came bit. back. Yeah, true. They got Real uncomfortable, True. though, I noticed. They got really uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, by the way, 
there was one other thing which was like a small drama bomb, which was, as you saw, that guy, the Korean guy, Rigby, who was at one point in time coach of EG, did a few sort of like things. I think he was on a stream or some sort of like a social media or something. It was all translated onto Reddit. And aside from, he did attack LS. So we'll get to that in a second. But before that, he actually dropped a couple of little juicy details. So these will both cause you pain in different ways, Monty. So it's going to be basically like, this is like your moment with like, I've got the gomja bark your throat, Monty. You must just withstand the pain of what I'm about to tell you. While the hell put, you know, I'm putting even, my head in the box. Yeah, you'll be suffering. So are you ready? Are you ready for your, I'm going to actually hurt you right now. Are you ready? Why is because this so like He actually, <laughs> this is so good. He actually says that from scrims, everyone thought KT was the best LCK team. And I think he means going into Worlds, mate. They were script guards. Because I've I also heard, that. by the way, I've also heard supposedly like that's another thing about I think it's like Lehens and maybe Beryl. So I think they're supposed to be like Scrim Gods too or something, mate. Like that, that's another reason everyone like thinks that the shit were oh mate, the idea that in scrims they actually should have been the best. They actually essentially, Monty, here's the real suffering. Essentially, you should have been right. You should act it should actually have been your day where you said the whole time they were good and everyone's like, oh BDD, who gives a fuck like years old takes. But then you know, I know you know this. That is the worst thing about worlds is you'll do something like watch JDG while the fan doesn't go, they're probably overrated. And then when they lose, he goes, see? And you're like, that's not, that's not the fucking point. That proves not. That's the worst feeling. It's the gaslighting. It's the it's the gaslighting that I can't. It's not even the opinions. It's when you know they're just gaslighting your whole reality. And then here's another one that's painful in a different way. I actually knew this, sadly. You know, right now, everyone memes on MNS, right? And they just go, you should never be picked up. He's trash. Oh, guys, what you don't know is, I know, I mean, this isn't from this, but I'll mention it in a second. In in Europe, there was a bunch of LEC teams, by the way, wanted MS, some of them big names, by the way, like who like if you know who they got instead, they got much better players. But the reason why, as confirmed by the, the Rigby guy here, is the MS guy in Scrim supposedly is fucking unbelievable if people don't know. Like he, he says he was far and away the best in these like world scrims or whatever. Like I've heard in scrims, by the way, this guy was like a, it was almost like playing like solo queue, just monsters the whole game and wrecks everyone. His mechanics are impossible. So his problem really was something to do with like attitude or mental mentality to Towards competing, so the sad thing is, like as I, as I'd heard from some of the people, apparently he was really talented. Me, apparently he was like an actual like phenom. Well, I think that was true of KT as well because the way they played, and even in LCK playoffs, a lot of these players, I think, just were had crazy nerves when they got into these situations. Yeah, honestly, that's I hate I hate to do my boy Keen like this, but that's kind of been the story of his career. Is that right, when it matters, yeah. he. He, do, he doesn't really show up, guys. Like, he, well, he's, he's a on monster team player. Now, so nothing could go wrong, right? Nothing could go wrong with a Korean super team. So, <laughs> what the hell? I'll tell you what, it better work this time. I'll give him that. It better work. And then the other angle was, because this is, obviously, we know LS, right? The other angle was Rigby took, I would say, a bunch of shots at LS. That I'll just say it. It's, I think it triggered me more than LS because essentially, are you ready? I'll give you like a little taste. He goes, LS has some good ideas regarding champ picks and items. We actually do take note and use what we think is good and throw out what we think is bad. And then he says, basically, he emphasizes certain things I think aren't, that aren't impactful in terms of winning point or losing point of the game. And he basically makes the point that he thinks LS focuses too much on things where 
if you like play perfectly or, you know, if you're a robot, it basically goes with the original LS critiques from literally like 2018, but he's bringing them out as all they're fresh and insightful in 2024. And the reason it irritates me is this Monty, this is how, you know, he actually hasn't watched LS's content because there might have been a grain of truth to that back in 2018. But even then, if you ever listen to me, I was one of the first people to tell LS you're acting like the players are robots. It wasn't on this angle. I was never seeing their robots in the sense of like when LS says if you draft this comp it can scale and then you win the game without play. No, no, I just meant things like if he would ask a question like why can't a top player play an obscure pick they haven't tried? Then I would be like, well the thing is LS, like you know, they're just only human, aren't they? So if they've only played it three times, even if you're right, they're not going to try it. I was meaning it more like that, right? Here's what's weird, is anyone who does this take where they go, LS just thinks everyone's a robot who should just perfectly outplay the opponent and win every winning matchup. You haven't watched a lick of LS's content. Literally, that's the opposite of his philosophy. His whole philosophy, because he comes from coaching lower tier players, is these are the easy loopholes in the game. This is how, if you draft this scaling draft matchup, you don't have to be better than him in lane. You can be slightly behind, but don't get killed or get to this item and then you'll be ahead. Essentially, he's saying, don't, you don't, instead of doing, it's the opposite. Instead of being like an LEC coach who drafts like a 50-50 matchup, he believes his player wins 51% of the time. LS is saying, why don't I give my guy a, a matchup where if he plays it easily through lane, he wins 75% of the time without clicking buttons. He's actually trying to make the game easy. To, and then the joke is, he's actually entirely aware people are human. That's why he doesn't tell you to take like some super meta, like Renekton into Aatrox or something ridiculous. Like he doesn't tell you to do that. Like what's mad is these people have took like a mad straw man of LS and then destroyed it. Wicker man style. And they're like, that's him taking care of. It's like, did you even listen to any of his points, mate? You've actually, you've characterized him completely wrong, mate. What have you done? Yeah, and also, I think like, the other... You could definitely tell him, but that's also kind of his shit. He's a specialist. He's a specialist, obviously. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think the other thing that people criticize about LS is his focus on itemization. Not that he is wrong about itemization, because frequently he's right. Sure. Um, yeah. It's that he, he found a niche with his itemization takes that is very entertaining. And I think people... Yes especially people who are on pro teams or professional analysts, sometimes they get tripped up on what LS does for entertainment as opposed to what yes. LS thinks. So, for example, his whole, like, you know, Leandri's takes and his sinner's takes and everything like that, that was for comedy. And the reason yes. why he emphasized these things, I think, was two reasons. One of them was it was just and it was just fucking entertaining. It was fun. Uh, and he he got a good response from his audience and everybody really liked that and like the whole Leandri's thing was hilarious and you know was kind people of people was hyperbolic. It was sure, surely you saw he extended yes. the premise guys. He was obviously being a bit bombastic with it wasn't. Cool. Yeah, and I think if you asked him like he's not going to say like all, I think in 99% of cases, he's not going to be like, yeah, this game was 100% lost because he bought this yeah. item. He's talking about, yes. you know, optimization and getting small, you know, getting better edges yes. on your opponent. And he's right about that a lot of time. And the reason why he did it over the top was because it's funny, right? And because it became a long running conversation in the community. And he controlled the narrative of a lot of the professional scene with this. And it was entertaining and people like to follow along with it. The second reason is, is because... Look, for 99% of you, his actual takes are going to not affect your gameplay whatsoever. By talking about itemization, he is able to help literally any player of any skill level improve at the game. Yes. 
It doesn't yes. require mechanics. It doesn't, you know, it, it it requires a small amount of critical thinking, but really he's done the math for you already. So he's just saying, here's how you can just improve like this, level up your game like that. Yep. And people like to follow him because it genuinely, I think, improved their gameplay. And it's yes. an easy way to improve your gameplay. Like, you know, you know how you don't have to do a VOD review of your own gameplay this way. You just build a, you just keep playing the game, build a, a different item next time. Right. And you know, so, Monty, even when he suggests like really crazy picks, if you ever listen to how he does it, he doesn't say like you have to be like basically a perfect one trick on this who could do every combo. Like, no, no, what he'll do is he'll pick something that he thinks is like nobody plays it in your lane. And so the joke is you only need minimal like acclimatization because what's going to fuck the enemy up as anyone who's ever played like bronze and played against support brandies, if you don't know what it does in your, then you do like the first five games are just free win. Like, that's the other point he's making. Like, essentially, he's telling you, like, there's a pile of money on the floor there. Do you want to pick it up? Like, and you're going, well, that's not a sound financial strategy. And how could the world run on the economy? No, no, just pick up that money over there. Just pick up that thing there. And you're going, he's imagining you don't need money. And everyone's born rich. Like, like just listen to what he says, guys. Because here's the thing. I also just thought to myself, since Rigby, in doing so, also was addressing ideas. Like, he's also doing that thing, which is the classic set of people, by the way, who always came at LS, was obviously always analysts and coaches. Because one, they're in his domain, they think. So they think it's just some outsider coming in. And then also, he does... As examples use specific players so they always feel attacked and I think some of them quite frankly are jealous that he sort of has the public ear and that the public doesn't listen to them and their tweets so good old Rigby when he was coming at him first thing I was thinking the whole time is like you're giving lessons on coaching Rigby Rigby evil geniuses Rigby left towards the end of 2022 Rigby what was what was going on in 2022, Rigby? You know, if we're talking about court, tell you what, Rigby, if we're talking about humans playing League of Legends, you know, not robots, <laughs> let's talk about people, because you know, people make mistakes, don't they? People break down, don't they, Rigby? First thing I thought, mate, Firstly, because I'm a boomer. Two, like you, I have some fucked up, perverse, you know, fucking tilt towards the theatrical. The first thing I did when Rigby fucked is, I thought, what about that song, Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles? So here will be my rendition. Ah, look at the LS haters. Ah, look at the LS haters. I don't even know the Beatles. Okay. Silly old Rigby picks up the tired, played out narratives that Reddit has spammed. Lives in a dream, waits on Twitter, wearing the face that pretends his coaching in EG never happened. What about Danny? There you go. Clip that. Put the put a, put a free copyright free cover version of the music behind it. And there's a little clip to it. Rigby. There you go, Rigby. We're up, mate. We all live in a yellow submarine now, but. <laughs> I think Rigby was actually quite a, I think I think his drafts well, were very good kid, as far as I can tell you know was good. good listen <laughs> listen like less Monty some of that was for sure believe it or not I was trying to be entertaining in some ways my extended hyperbolic premise too funny uh, too funny um yeah, so... I, and as an aside, Rigby, you do know the actual dream if you're LS is someone like you, a famous person, calls you out because that then just leads to response videos. You've actually just started his content cycle, you idiot. Like, like if you're LS, like, the video, everyone's waiting for the response and, of course, it's already come, so check it out on his yeah, channel. come on, just... just uh, <laughs> Travis already figured it out. He managed to make a video exactly. about how he didn't apply for a job. I know. He's I like, know. Mark C got the job, but what if... 
What if the attention was about remember, me, Travis Gafford, instead? Remember, Monty, like some sort of shitty M. Night Shyamalan twist. 21 minutes into the video, he reveals that, of course, he did actually, like, colloquially apply behind the scenes, even though the premise of the video is he didn't apply. <laughs> what a stupid world these spots is, man. What a world. What a world. It's too good, isn't it? It's too good. Oh, All right. Should we talk about LEC, then? Well, Thorin... You know, I think that some of our fans are probably thirsty for real game content, especially now that we're starting the new season. And if you find yourself parched and quenched for some fresh League of Legends analysis, obviously we have you covered on Summoning Insight. Not only Summoning Insight, but Power Spike, Monty and Wolf Show, and Best Time League Show. Best Time League Show is already back, and the other two will be back next week. But, boom, quench your thirst with some delicious electrolytes. Courtesy of Liquid IV. Uh, of course, I've got this tropical punch flavor, one of my personal favorites. And it comes in these individual packets, guys. And all you got to do, just buy a bag of them. Here's my glass of water. You ready? You ready for this? You pour it in. It's incredible. Give it a stir. You can give it a shake in a shaker cup, but it dissolves actually very nicely just by stirring it. I actually just put it in like a squeeze water bottle and just shake it when I go to the gym. Dissolves it very nicely. And then, you know, tastes like a childhood tropical punch. It's it's delightful. Keeps you hydrated uh, while you're out doing whatever, working out. However, you know, if you're on a plane, a long flight, getting all dehydrated and dry when you feel run down, I'll be drinking some liquid IV for the rest of the show. I'll be drinking some when I go to the gym tomorrow. It's a wonderful product. We really do appreciate them sponsoring us. Any flavors you like, Thorin? Uh, I quite like the watermelon one. I think that's quite that good. Was, if you want the sugar-free ones, because when I do keto, I sometimes the sugar-free ones. The lemon and lime one's pretty nice. The uh, the I think there's a grape one. It's pretty yep, green nice. grape. It's kind of like a it's it's like a green grape exactly. You say like not the red one. Uh, and also, I'll just say, I actually find using it when you work out is actually one of the best applications of this as well. Because personally, if I drink water when I work out, like I can sort of feel it sloshing around, and I feel a little bit almost like a bit bloated from it. When I drink this, I just sip it. I just take sips between like sets basically and i find it's actually really helpful and i feel like it does extend me a bit yeah and uh, it has a little bit of sugar there too if you're using the regular ones which helps keep you kind of rolling because the sugar gets enters you know gets you that energy immediately while you're working out so yeah great stuff uh and you can rehydrate yourself for the new year get your liquid iv hydration multiplier sugar free in bulk nationwide in america at costco so you go to costco or our favorite way for you to do this, 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code LFN at checkout, 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code LFN at liquidiv.com. So thank you to Liquid IV. We do love we, we do love our sponsors, and it is the best way to support us, guys. And by the way, just so you know, we're not bullshitting you with our sponsors either. Like, we turn down sponsors for these shows that we don't think fit us and we don't think you're going to like. We only take the ones that we actually enjoy and that we think you guys are going to like, too. So um, this is definitely one of them. I have been using it ever since they started sponsoring us. I use it, you know, multiple times a week. It's great stuff. So thank you very much. And now we can quench your thirst like Liquid IV can do for you at the gym with some analysis of LEC and all the surprising twists and turns. You know, Thorin, I'll kick this off with a with an interesting topic. I was streaming this week, and I've been doing my bangers-only streams. 
Now, I'm going to keep doing this for the rest of the year where I kind of uh, curate the best matches to do VOD reviews of. Uh, now, I've just been doing LEC because that's been the only games that are up. LCK, LCS, LPL are all starting soon. That'll all start to get cycled into my stream. But a lot of people were asking me in, in chat, Monty, don't, don't you think these games kind of suck in terms of quality? And my answer was, of course they suck in terms of quality. What are you expecting? There was no preseason this year. Yeah, the no, pros no. have been the pros have been able to practice on like the tournament realm, but that's way different than being able to play in solo queue. It's way different than having, you know, thousands of of high level players around the world like theory crafting about items, right? Or you know, being able to test certain builds or figure out new things on the map. It's the whole like, you know, thousand monkeys at the thousand typewriters thing eventually somebody's going to come up with a or one trick's going to come up with an interesting build for a champion that might make it meta we have 30 oh, sure. new items in the game like 30 oh, new that's items. the other thing this i think this is the biggest change ever like the terrain the fucking buffs those grubs the fucking items like like in fact there's one thing monty i can say it already you could tell when you watched the first games of lec Who's actually putting off-season time? Dude, some some players built, like, normal builds. Like, what? Like, some of them didn't even seem to understand, like, how the items have changed. Like, I saw some crazy ones out there. Obviously, like, the whole Grob thing. Like, no one even knows that. Did you see that Dom clip where when, like, someone attacked him under the tower, his Grob tanked the fucking tower aggro, not, like, the champion? So there's all sorts of, like, crazy fucking weird interactions and shit in there. The whole thing with the buffs, if people don't know, like, when you take the buffs, it's not, like, normal. Maybe, I think this is the biggest fundamental change in years, maybe ever in League, right? Yeah, and also because, you know, they released, sure, the pros playing it is one thing, but you can't really stress test a patch and see all the bugs until you oh, release sure. it into, you know, there's a difference between pros playing a few hundred scrim games and people playing literally millions of games on League of Legends around the world to see what the bugs are. And this patch came out days before this started, and also a lot of teams were on break until the new year, right? They They, they weren't scrimming, like, over the holidays, boom, oh, you're right back so. into it. Boom, the League of Legends professional season starts a couple weeks later. So, of course, these games are going to be sloppy. Like, we don't expect perfect play. There is Nobody knows how to play. I, I fully expect LCK to be sloppy when it starts yeah. off here. I mean, they'll have the advantage of a little bit more time to refine things, a little bit more time, um, you know, on the patch and solo queue, the ability to actually kind of watch what happened in LEC, which is obviously very valuable for teams. But we oh. always see the same shit whenever World starts and teams have been off for... Think, think, about, think about the meta at the start of Worlds every year. Think about how much the meta changed at Worlds this year when you skip three patches. And those are just three normal patches. That isn't the ultra game-changing mega patch. The game hasn't changed this much in years, guys. And yes. I, I don't think it was reasonable to expect that these games would be flawless. And also, what you're going to see is teams that probably won't be that good down the stretch may be doing a little bit better right now because the game hasn't been figured out yet. So potentially worse players are getting advantages uh, they wouldn't normally have. Or there's always that one team that just is like kind of nails the patch early on, then falls off later. Or another team that is a little bit slower to figure it out, but then powers up. So there's there's too many variables right now to give you guys, you know, really good feedback on that. But I thought I just thought it was a weird complaint that people were making about the sloppiness because I, I just didn't know what people expected. Like, of course, it was going to be this way.
No, no, same thing. I mean, the funny thing is, even though I actually hadn't read and listened to some videos of people speculating on what would change in the patch, as usual, they, like normally it's kind of hit and miss anywhere what people get right. Dude, I think this is the one where no one knows. It just feels that you have to actually see it. But like the joke is, I feel like in some ways, like for Europe at least, this is why I'm glad we've got the three mini splits. Like this first split could be like fucking all over the place if you look at the results already. Like there's another thing, Monty. How are we not going to shade that into discussion about these actual teams now they're performing? Like I'll give you an example. So, so far of the two teams that did badly, Carmine Corp and Vitality, right? Carmine Corp actually looked decent in some of their games. They just lost them. Vitality, he just looks straight up bad. Like Hillsong looked terrible at times. But here's the problem: if you if you looked at that lineup like I did and thought it might be really good, yeah, but you're going off last season in a different version of the game and how they played in that meta. Like, like I'm going off how the Vitality bot lane played when they were on fucking Mad Lions. Obviously, like that wasn't the mad, that wasn't the bot lane I've seen so far. Like, like that's it. Hillsong so far has been criminal, mate. Like he actually was getting pretty good again last year. So the problem is for me, so many of these rosters you have to shade in in that sense. It's why the actual real angle I will give people props for who had the balls to call that they thought Mad Lions wouldn't be the worst team, because there were some people out there and the scene did it, I believe, is their angle's not a terrible one, which is because you've kept some synergy, like three of the players in the coach were from the Movistar Riders team, you're coming in with sort of pre-existing synergies, or people understand how to play off each other. It's a, there's, a, there's a logic to that. The problem with that, I think, is obviously that law you take you so far, won't it? What would you like a split? Might just win you a few games early on. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the winter split isn't the most important thing either. I think that's part of the advantage of the new LEC format is that you can bounce back. Clearly, it's going to be very punishing for the ninth and 10th teams in winter, and the O3 teams are Vitality and Carmine Corp right now. As to be said, Carmine Corp did have a pretty hard schedule for their first three games, yeah. so it's not... It's not inconceivable but they that they bounce back, but they also showed quite a few flaws, uh, which is concerning. Sure. So I, I kind of, I think they will be probably pretty decent eventually, but I think it's just going to take a little bit more time and probably they're not going to have a pretty deep run in winter. I expect them to be a lot, much improved by spring or summer. Which team uh, do you want to talk about first? I've, I've got a lot. I've watched a lot of these games. I've, I've done VOD reviews of a lot of these games. So take your pick. Mm. What, what? Which? All right. Which was the most surprising team to you? Carmine Corp. You watched the VOD reviews. Carmine Corp. You yeah. thought they were going to be a top team. Maybe. I mean, not. I think I still think they will be. I don't think they can be. Not top team, but obviously, I think it's disingenuous for people to believe that they would go o three in the first week. Oh, and sure. The, you know, the problem with going o three 3 in the first week is it puts you in a really rough situation because four is kind of the magic number of wins. Like. That you, that you have to get to be safe. Maybe yeah. you can get three wins, depending on how things shake out. But going 0-3 in this format is fucking brutal. Because that means you have to go 2-1 and one and then 2-1 and one the next week, or like, you know, 3-0 and oh and then 1-2. and two. Yeah. I mean, it, it's tough. You, you basically just, you have to win two-thirds of your remaining games, right? And that's a tough mark unless you have an easier schedule, which at least Carmine Corp kind of does at this point in time. Um, now, for me, I... I I'm not watching ARLs, guys. Like, that's not what I do with my time. I'm, like, tracking all of the top leagues in the world um, and trying to run LFN as a business. So, uh, you know, I don't have the time that certain other people do who are full-time streamers uh, to watch, like, to, like, dive into all the major leagues and, and then also into the ARLs. And also... You know, just typically speaking, you kind of have to pick and choose what you're paying attention to. Like, it's very difficult to pay attention to all of the LCK games and all of the LPL games. Like, nobody can really do that, uh, especially if you want to co-stream LCS and LEC as well. You, It's like 
you can watch the good LPL games and all the LCK games and then watch most of LEC and LCS. Or you kind of have to ditch the Western regions to watch both just because of time constraints on people's lives. Um, so it is tough to keep track of that, especially with secondary leagues. This is all to say, I remember Cabochard being a good player. I remember him being really good, mate. He was like a proper hybrid top learner, yeah. This guy is terrible. Well, what Monty's doing as a joke is he was <laughs> if you took the templates off, everyone would say fire this guy. Like, he looked really bad. Like his jack skin was actually criminal. I uh, I agree. It was pretty bad, unfortunately. It's so sad because I actually think this is one of the people I was hoping was gonna like have a renaissance when he came back to LEC. I still hope he does, but it's looked fucking bad so far. So I will I will say this. I think part of the problem. So I didn't like the Malphite pick that they got him onto. In the game, in in the game where he played a really bad Malphite versus G two, um, part of the issue with his Malphite was that he was trying to engage when the rest of his team wasn't on the same page, or he was like trying to trade Malphite ult for Flash on on Hansama in weird situations, and then getting himself and the rest of his teammates killed as a result. So it's like Hansama doesn't care if he flashes if he's going to win a team fight and isolate this Malphite and kill you afterwards. It's fine; he'll trade that Flash, right? Um, the Jacks game was just miserable. Like the way he was playing into a collie was this way. Compare that Jacks to irrelevance Jacks. Yeah. It's night and day. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But, but it's, it's ridiculous. Like, isn't it? <laughs> it's just the way he was playing. Like he was, he's trying to like match the Akali on the flank, but instead of just zoning her out, he's trying to like leap strike and counter strike in and then a collie just ease away and then re-engages on him and forces him to blow flash and run away. Like it's just, yeah. it's just like, come on, man. Like th that is just awful. And I, I feel bad because Bowen upset him pretty good. I'm just going to put that they out were there. Doing like... that. <laughs> when, I, when I say Monty, I'm being serious. This is why I won't let anyone tell me that the Kami cop specifically, 0-3, is that they're just trash. They were in all three of these games in the mid-game. Go watch it. Like they, These were games where like these are winnable. And I, I agree with you. If you look over the three games, Bowen Upset actually generally played well, guys. Like They put themselves in position. The problem is, I'll tell you one thing this team has a problem with. One, the joke is the existing Kami cop players, like the two solo and it's just having had a pop-off. There hasn't been one so far. I guess there was one game that was sort of all right from Sakin. And then the, the joke is, if you're Bo, mate, this is nightmare fuel because Bo and Upset had this last year, mate, in Vitality. They'd be in games that were winnable. In the mid-game, they lose the game out. And crucially, people never fight together. There's another thing, mate. Yep. Some of the fights they had in that Mad Lions game were criminal. Like, there's fights where you just have them. You have them like 5v3 or you have like a 2v1 and people just either fight on their own. Think about that kill when the Akali killed like Upset in the top lane. He had two teammates near him that I guarantee he thought, oh, one of them's going to help me. They just watched him die and then fucking walked Dude. out. Like, what? It was crazy, some of these games. They're not helping each other. I, I don't know what it is about Bo, man, because Bo has the right idea as a jungler. Like, yeah. you watch this guy play, his mechanics, the way that he wants to play aggressively, and it, I, I have to believe at this point in time, having watched him on Vitality this year in the start of the Carmine Car Corp games this year, it must be a language issue because literally, at the start of the game, they played against Mad Lions, right? They have a ward. He knows that El Yoya is walking in behind in, into a lane gank. Oh, yes. Into the yes. tri brush. They see him. So upset and Targamas are down there in the lane. 
Bo sets a trap in the brush, and then his team doesn't come. Like, they know he's, like, were they not communicating this? Did Upset say something, like, back off that Bo didn't understand? Why would he back off when, like, they see the Sejuani and they could theoretically yep. be there faster? The wave isn't in a state where the Caitlyn couldn't come over? It was really weird. It was really weird. Um, the Vi game that he played, also, like, also just really good against G2. Um, even, even despite the disasters in the early game against Mad Lion's Thorn, Carmine actually had a gold lead for a lot of that game. Yep. They were still doing really well. And in spite of Targamas, like not hitting any ash arrows, they were still oh, sometimes was crash. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> they were still winning team fights. Put it that way. In spite of Kavishard's just abysmal side lading on this Jax, um, they were doing pretty well, and a lot of that was bow and upset. Uh, Seiken, in my mind, it looks like he has nerves, so I'm going to hold yes. off on that, that a little bit. Like it. Just, I've watched enough rookie players over the years to think like oh, well, maybe nerves are an issue. It used to be an LEC back in the day. That's the problem, on Yeah, because that's, that's actually fair. a detail some people lost. Some people thought it was like an ERL like rookie mid laner, and I was like, bro, this guy's like 25 or something. I think he's older than Caps. Like, it's just that he was in ARLs for a million years and all this time. Because by the way, that's the ultimate. Like, someone take the fucking Steve Buscemi, like, hello, fellow kids, and have fucking put Sakan on Steve Buscemi and have him like, hello, fellow LEC rookies. Like, you are a fucking rookie, mate. The problem is, though, he, he clearly has nerve issues, mate, because I'm not joking. When I've seen this guy play in the RLs, he's just really good. He's just a really good mid laner. But these first games, he was unrecognizable, mate. Yeah, I, I, I was just really underwhelmed by his individual play. It's not that he did anything that was really oh, bad. No. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like actively bad, like Targamas and Kabashar at the time. He's just like a non-factor. He's just not yes. kind of invisible. Um, and so it, it really does feel like the Bowen upset show. On the side of Carmine. Here's Corp. what kills me. Here's what kills me inside. Right? If you look at these games, it's right there what you need to do. Right? Bo clearly likes to go Super Bowl. Like if he's on Xinjiang, he's going to flash in and go right into the back line. All you have to do is follow up everyone else and then let fucking upset just stand on the outside doing all the damage. Like, But instead, they would do that shit that I hate where you have a jungler like that. And now here's the problem, right? I'll tell you why. You know, everyone wonders, why was Bo by the end of last year just playing Sejuani and tanks? Because do you know what it's like? In, not in a solo queue game where you can curse at people. When your own teammates that you've discussed the game plan with constantly sell you out when you go in. So you look like a dickhead by the way fans are going to say you're like Hillsang like, you're an idiot why'd you go in you're dead like because he thought his team was going to follow up he thought he found an angle he thought he got on to... by the way sometimes his job then is get on the back line that's literally my job like I can't be blamed when I do it and then they just back off like that's some <laughs> fucked up shit what is this because I, I feel so bad because everyone is going to go in on Bo mate and he looks like he's trying his hardest right now dude and, and not only that but Bo is the one who's playing the game correctly like, yes, you yes. know, I, I think I think that was what was that was what was so puzzling, especially about the Mad Lions game. So imagine with me having Caitlin and Ash versus Aphilios Renata. You should be punishing the shit out of that bot line. It is very obvious when you have an Azir in the mid lane, you're playing Jackson top, you know, fine. You have this Akali that kind of got it was like a weird pick in top lane. I thought they were going to pick Poppy in that draft, but they ended up not doing that. And Merwin played a good Akali game, to be clear. But it's what we're talking about is a very obvious game plan of like, let's push up the bot lane with Caitlyn Ash, which means that you're going to have jungle support. Now, how have we seen this new patch be working out? A lot of it especially if you're on blue side, 
which Carmine Corp was, is getting early jungle dives onto red side because it's a lot easier to attack bottom lane because of the map changes if you are a, a blue side jungler into red side bot lane. Just because of the way the architecture of the tri brush works now. If, if you play jungle on this patch, you know that. Like, it's a lot easier to make plays. And we see a lot of dives happening as well. You know, dives are kind of easier to execute at the current time. And also, it's just harder to execute non-dive ganks, generally speaking. So dives have become a more reliable tool to execute ganks. But anyway, my point is, is that you know Bo's going to be there. Like, Carmine Corp's game plan is for Bo to be there. And Bo is there. They have information from wards about a counterplay the enemy team is making. And they still fuck it up. So this team is just, they had all the tools. The draft is fine for them. The draft is actively good for them, in oh, fact. fine. Yeah. And you can snowball upset through this bot lane very easily. The siege potential of this composition is disgusting. Oh, yes. Like, think about choke control or tower turret control, like turret sieges, with Azir, Caitlyn, Ash. A million people, and Jin Zhao, by the way. Because guess what? His ult will just clear everybody away who tries to engage on you. Yes. So will a zero ult. You control chokes with sand soldiers and Caitlyn traps. Anybody gets near you, you volley or you you ash arrow and you disengage. Like, this is a good comp. And you have a winning lane with this comp that you can play through. So the players themselves, they just have to know that this is coming. It's yes. obvious, of course, to Mad Lion's Koi as well, which is why El Yoya is making a play. But the trap is set, and then you just forget about the trap. Right. And that is upset and Targamas' fault, even though upset has been one of their best players. It just feels like these guys don't understand the game plan. And then Cabochard and Targamas are like actively bad. Yes. What's funny know. though is, even though I will say, because this obviously was the problem with Vitality, is you kept looking at the roster like, they'll get it together, which never happened in Vitality. With that said, the key thing for me is this, Monty. If this is the first week and you have two players play as egregiously bad as that, and then as a team, you don't really sort of stick together in the winning moments of the game, but you're in all three games, I do think this is mad fixable. That's why I made a distinction between the Vitality one, which looked way worse, and the Carmine Cop one. And as you said, the strength of schedule, like they not only played G2, so obviously the best team. I'm, I'm personally not that big on Fnatic, but hey, Fnatic looked great in week one. They did great in that game. So I think actually this is doable, though. As you said, it, yeah, you're down 0-3, but if you can actually play at against all the teams in the LEC and then you can just tweak even what like one player plays better you get slightly better for fun. they're going to win games I'm, I'm just interested to see now like can they actually become a top team or not like because I think a lot of people because of the vitality some of the players are from vitality obviously they're going to be completely out on this team I think people are going to go super hard against them now so they're going to have to turn the narrative around yeah and, and I'm not saying that Bo's play has been perfect because it hasn't been I'm just saying that he at least seems to understand the fundamental game plan of where they're doing. And there's classic both things. Like, he does go aggressive. Like, that's just how he is. And he he did feed some unfortunate kills over. I had a lot of questions in his game. Like, why is he ending this game with three items and boots one and not building... Oh, I didn't buy the Merc Treads. Yeah, true, true. He's literally not that building Merc Treads yes. into Akali, Sejuani, yes. <laughs> Nico, and Renata Glass. Yeah. I'm like... 
You just had the bro, free boots, didn't he? Yeah. Bro, like, <laughs> no, don't do that. I was like, I was laughing on my stream watching this. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? You need he to do that, that meme. Like, what are those? Like, towards the free boots. Like, get some fucking juicy, <laughs> I, idiot. I, I'm just, I'm just like looking at, I'm, I'm looking at this in my stream and I'm like, he has two fully completed items. I'm like, you can't spend 800 gold just to get yourself some Merc Treads right now. What the fuck is wrong with you? Well, then <laughs> So I, the thing is that, I think when when his teammates misplay or there's miscommunication, Bo on Vitality does tilt. I've seen it. Oh. You know, he does start to go kind of crazy and play too aggressive and feed over kills. I don't think he starts that way, but I do think he can get frustrated in some of these games. But I I believe that Carmine Corp has been set up for success by the coaches in terms of the draft and that the players themselves are doing a miserable job about communicating in game. Miserable. All right, let's talk about a good team then. Who's a good one that you'd like to talk about? Who was impressed to you? I mean, obviously SKA, I think, is is the the one that you go with here. Because it's You know not... what, again, this comes, mate. You could even see this on paper, in my opinion. I actually, when me and Zabatine did best damn league show, I think both of us were higher on SKA than most people would be. Dude, I actually think, bearing in mind, I've told this story a million times, so I won't go into it again, but that because I know SK's management, and I can essentially just ask them during some of the season, like, why do you do that, or what was going on there? Like, this is a team that always min-maxes, Monty. They're never, ever going to spend close anywhere close to the biggest budget. But you notice how this approach that they take, which, as far as I know, Monty, goes like this. You only really splurge on like one or two bigger names and you pay them decently and then you go with like ERL players or the or the cheaper ones or you go with someone who maybe is underrated like irrelevant right this approach works mate like look it's how consistently yes because they haven't got the biggest budget they're never like a top three team but they can have a team that's like a borderline like this that's like a third or fourth and suddenly you like min max the right way with the right big name and mate I think they've struck gold on this one Niski is the fucking right name mate this guy already looks dynamite again in another team is this guy just like the fucking fixer up at Every team is crazy, isn't it? He's like a shot in the arm to every team you put him on. I, I think it's just because of several factors. Like, clearly he's good. Secondly, he's kind of a selfless player. And then thirdly, he brings in a lot of veteran communication and shot calling. And yes. fourth, he has like a very positive attitude in game. So I think, you know, generally he keeps the mood buoyant and light. And he, you know, especially for newer players, he's willing to make sacrifices in order to enable them, which I think is rare, especially if you're dealing with a veteran player and a rookie jungler. Like, how many mid laners would be like, yeah, I'm going in with you, buddy, right? Uh, instead of dictating yes. the pace of the game. The downside of Disky is that sometimes he just randomly ints when he gets big leads and, like, throws the game. Like, he, he is kind of a thrower, <laughs> right? Um and I feel like the longer he's on a team, the more time he throws. Um, so, but yeah, it's it, like he's he's definitely a boon to any jungler that he plays with. And Isma has been looking real good. He's been like looking so far, doesn't he? If people don't know, by the way, I actually, Loki, the person I feel sorry for is the Isma guy, because obviously when they brought up the Mad Lions players to the main team and all his teammates, except for the fucking top laner are there, the reason he didn't get the spot is because they already had El Yoya. Like, it's understandable. Like, it's like if people know in Counter-Strike, the same thing happened, right? In NIP, they had this young Swedish opera who's pretty good called Nork. And no joke, Monty, this is even how it supposedly happened. They just came to him one day and said, sorry, mate, but um, we're getting device. 
Well, if people don't know, it's like the like the most like at the time, like the most accomplished player ever at the, at the op. So he even said he himself agreed. Like, well, well you're right. You should get him. Like, so, yeah, <laughs> I'm off. So the Ismail guy can't hit on it. Like, obviously you have to take El Yoya, but man, the Ismail guy actually looks good. I mean, sure, everyone like Peter Don said is just going to say it's because he's Nisky's fucking jungler, but. At the end of the day, mate, like you still have to push the buttons. Like he actually, like some of his fucking angles were good. Like this, this right. player looks like he has real promise. Yeah. I mean, let's let's talk about that because if that's the theory, then should why is he good? Make it like why is he good independently of plays that he's making with Niski? Like he had a real clean gank on in the Fnatic gang, game when he was uh, playing Rel onto Oscar and it right at the start of the game, a like, very yes. clean Rel gank. And sure, I mean we can talk about. Oscar and maybe having the respect to flash that, but he and Irrelevant really got the job done, and that didn't have anything to do with Niski. I think he's got some really smooth mechanics. If you watch the way, I think what's impressive is his situational awareness is very good. Um, he is really good at holding abilities, and we see this on his rel. Like he's very patient in the way that he waits for a team fight to develop so he can maximize his crowd control. I think that's been impressive to me. He is uh, appropriately aggressive and clean in his mechanical execution and his conceptual execution on some of these dives. He's been a very big surprise, I would say. And I don't I think Niski probably helps, but Niski isn't the one who's microwing his mind in team fights and saying, "Oh, you should use Magnet Storm now." Right? Um he's the one who's making those decisions and I think he's been good at that. And just on the history of SK, Irrelevant started, too, as a player who was fine on Misfits. Like, he was he was a kind of a late addition, and he was better than a lot of people thought. But he, he didn't have to do a lot. He was, like, playing Sejuani in top lane. It was that Remember, meta. his job in that famous cynical draft was he is just the tank weak side. Yes. That was just his whole yeah. job. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and... You know, over last year, he evolved into being a very good Jax player and, and a carry player in his own right. And he looks really good. So he has been a success story yes. of SK's player development from his initial. I think Misfits, Misfits was good at seeing the spark. And that was that was something yes. Misfits was always good at is identifying the spark of talent. But SK had to, like, foster it and, you know, grow the ember, as it were. And now he's looking like maybe the best top laner in the LEC. Yeah, after after week one of competition, we got Exekick last year, who was flashy early. And then, you know, maybe, maybe there were a lot of good ADCs in, in LEC last year. It was probably the strongest position across the league in 2023. So maybe, you know, he he was kind of lost in the in the general glow of LEC junglers, but he was solid. And I think he's looking improved again. Niski is just the gift from God that they they probably got Niski at such a fucking insane bargain, guys. Like, think about... You know what the joke is? I'm going to have to figure out what the angle would be. You know how I did a video I finally promised to make all those years where it was about how simultaneously the LCS owners are always like, I've had enough impact, but then they're always like, Hootie? Yes, please. And I was always like, bro, you've got it the wrong way around. It's impact that you want, not fucking Hootie. Dude, they're doing this with Niski now. Why do all these orcs just happily send Niski on his way with his fucking bindle? Like the Incredible Hulk from the 80s. Like, no, 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 no. No, no, no LEC team. No, 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 no. Dude, 
he's even had to go down from Mad Lions, who was a champion in past years. He's gone down to SK Gamer, who's like I say, it's like a like potentially like a borderline playoff team. We'll see. Why do people kick this guy out? Like about misses. Aside from yeah, he was in the odd, the odd bad international performance. But domestically, he's just money in the bank. Like he can pretty much guarantee. I'll tell you what. One of the ways I would describe it. A bit like here's what's funny. Larson does it just with laning, but with his actual like map play, this guy's just a floor raiser, mate. You almost can't be bad if you have these mid laners. Like they're always going to play their game, and it's going to have like some level of success. Obviously, the teammates will accentuate how much. But when I look at this roster, mate, yeah, it's clearly like a min max cynical money ball esque roster. But mate, Crepo and them have done a banger job. This looks like yep. for real. It could be like a dark horse contender if they do well. Yeah, this is legit. This team. Yeah, it's possible they like BDS it, like BDS did yeah, uh, when they made finals in one of the splits last year. Do I think that this is going to be the best team by the time we reach Worlds in LEC? No, but they're certainly overperforming expectations. The real question is, Thorhan, how did Niski end up on this roster and not on Carmine Corp? Because nothing about that makes sense. Yes. Well, here's the problem. Obviously, people will say Kosakin's been there the whole time, but I I thought the same thing. Niski is two friends things. with Kometo, right? He speaks got, French. Got, like <laughs> the obvious angle is one. Yeah, he's got the whole French thing. Two. Listen, if you want to heal Bo's soul, just give him Niski, mate. That'll be it. Then he'll be the MVP of the league. And then three. Even for the rest of the team, wouldn't this be like the put? Think about it. You want a player who sometimes can carry top. You're going to play through bot all day long. Wouldn't you want this fucking sick roaming mid laner who plays like TF and shit like that? Gragas, like it sounds like it's what the doctor ordered, right? I'm amazed they didn't but do it to me. To me, that's how you complete the team. Yeah. He's also been personal friends with Kometo for years. Right. I, I mean, it, it's. Is baffling. It is baffling how how Niski didn't end up on this team for synergy reasons, for personal relationship reasons, for maybe they didn't want to pay French for him or speaking else. reasons. Um, yeah, Saken. You know, it, it just feels like such a missed opportunity, especially because Saken has been underwhelming, and maybe Saken will kick it into the next gear. Right? I maybe he can get over these nerves. And perhaps the, the or, yeah, yeah, it was, it was free, man. And SK can't possibly be paying him that much money. Like it felt like nobody totally wanted Niski at the end of the season. I'm sure, I'm sure he's making more than minimum, but probably not a lot more. And I think the one, you know, the one complaint about SK you have is that Doss played a pretty shit bard game, <laughs> but his Renata was good. His Renata was pretty good. Um, and so maybe, maybe Doss. Maybe Doss is the weak link, but a lot of this was just the synergy, game planning, coordination within game was all kind of strong across the board from SK. So it feels like their floor is pretty high, just as a team in terms of teamwork. Oh, no, I think so. They the main feel, problem, they, obviously, they is like how the do best, they win? You know? Yeah, they feel like the best teamwork team so far in LEC, which is how yeah. they've gotten to the point that they are. They look clean. By the way... Speaking of Bard, here's an obvious segue. Bro, who had this on their bingo card for 2024? A game of Bard brings Kaiser back to life. What? <laughs> what? Bard was good. He can actually play League again. Holy shit. Listen, I know their first game was a bit rocky, but listen, there's a reason. I know people are hyped for the names of the other names on the Rex, but Rex actually looks pretty interesting, mate. Like, I'm quite, I'm quite excited for this team. Like, the ups and downs already of me. I'm, I'm strapped in. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, Perks played a shockingly good Akali game as well. 
Uh, I'm not people... just the league by doing the renekton in because for, just for all time's sake, guys. You know, to establish that it's impossible. They just if you just forget the first game, Rex is okay. It's all fine. We're all good. It's all good. Just, everyone gets a warm up game. You know when you, you know when you play with mates, if the first game goes bad, you got just the warm up in it. Let's load up again. Let's load up again. Queue up. Queue up. That will happen again. Yeah, uh, Kaiser had a a much better bar game than than Doss did. Um, you know, you got you got to see some some decent play. I, Heretics hasn't had the toughest opponents. Like, obviously, b- people look at Rogue and say, "Oh, that win over G two kind of proves that they're good." However, G two held that they were in that game for a surprisingly long time. G two kind of refusing to lose, and in spite of Rogue's kind of massive if advantages. You want to know- if you're a fan out there, here's how I know you didn't secretly feel like maybe Rogue could win that game. Because they had 4.4 odds for that one, BO1, by the way, guys. Let me know, by the way, when a team that actually could win the game has 4.4 odds, and then you go, I declined to bet this time. Like, mate, that was right there. By the way, spoiler, I didn't build them. Because uh, the problem with this Rogue team, if we want to talk about that team, mate, is... Like, you can see skill in some of the players, but, man, I have a hard time believing that there's going to be a coherent team. And quite frankly, bearing in mind, I do think it's one of the most consistent players. Actually, I even thought Larson had a couple of dodgy games to begin the split. Like, that's not a good sign, because he has to be the best player if they're going to do well. Like, you saw the game he carried. Looks sick, yeah. But, mate, if they're just going to be pieces, I'm I'm really out on the raw gross. I don't know where you're at on that team. I feel kind of bad because... You know, you you want to believe that Larson and Comp in particular are going to be able to carry the this team yeah, through, but they looked pretty slob. Even even Larson in in the in when they beat G two, uh, was was a bit ropey on the Azir, especially in the early game, like playing a little bit too aggressively and you know having to blow a lot of summoners or key abilities in the early game, like mispositioning. It wasn't his best performance. Let's put it that way. But I feel like the Shigenda experiment has been run, and is it really going to be that much better than having Odo Omne? Like, Markoon's here. I guess he's doing okay. Comp's still doing well, and then they have they have a brand new support player. It just, it's just, the way they play is just boring. <laughs> I think that's the problem. Their, their crime is that they don't play very proactive League of Legends. It feels like they've regressed to Rogue from a couple of years ago. And compared to a lot of the much more exciting teams, it feels like such a known quantity from them at that point that it's hard to be bullish about their future. Even though I will never fall into the trap, and never did if you go back and check the record, I will never say Malrang is actually a really good jungler who has a great... But I'll tell you what, the reason it was genius to insert him into that team is because he is just crazy, non-stop aggression ganks yep. and co- and constantly willing to sack everything to just go to a lane. And I think in some ways, mate, that was like, even though he was doing it in a super fucked up hyperbolic way himself, that was almost the balance to the boring aspects of this team and the fact that, yes, some of them do just want to sit in lane like it's farm simulator and just fucking get 10 CS a minute or whatever it is like some of them don't look like they actually know like dude do these guys play this in solo queue are these the guys who farm and never ever go for a fucking skirmish and group 3v3 or whatever like what is this so actually the joke was Malran was some sort of crazy like stimulant for the team whereas like now when they have Marku who's more of a spot jungler he's just gonna be mate they're all just fucking thick as thieves they're all just gonna be boring as fuck this season aren't they just gonna be supportive league all day long I I think that's the the tragedy and 
like I said, their win over G2, in my opinion, should have been much more dominant. I think they got like the the cloud soul like 25 minutes into that game, and then it took them 12 more minutes to close out. Like it was bad. It was it was slow. It was bad. Part of it was G2 like playing well from behind, and I I don't think we really have any G2 is the team they thought that we thought they were going to be They're oh, They're still going to be good. Some people criticize Hans Samus play, but at the end of the day, G2 always picks it up and gets it together as we get later on into these seasons. Um, but yeah, back to heretics. I, look, the floor of heretics is going to be at a certain level just because of their veteran status. And even though they get blown out in the first game against mad lions, these guys can absolutely shrug a loss like that off. I mean, think about the number of games that the majority of this, like Flackett is the greenest player on this roster. And even he has been through, you know, a, a, all champions, splits. All LEC champions. <laughs> yeah. So every member of the team is an LC champ. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I don't really think it's going to get to them. And this is a team oh, no. that's going to be able to bounce back and, and retool relatively quickly. And we're already seeing that. Um, but it's weird. I was loving it after the first game where because Heretics lost, people had Giant X as a favorite against them. I took oh those underdog God. odds all day. <laughs> I got them at 1.9, mate, for that game. Like, That's as it. I say, Giant X should just be Giant L, shouldn't it? Like, listen, I don't know what to have here, but here's the thing. Here's, are you ready, fans? Here's how it actually works if you're a fan. Do you know how I, you know, I do love Otto Amney? Because I hate people who keep him in prison. You idiots. <laughs> Why would I love this team? It's like that scene. You remember all the way back, 10 years back, it's almost a 10-year episode, all the way back in the day when people used to go to me, Monty, ha, you are just a fan of CJ players. It's like, mate, there's no team I hate more than CJ as players. They literally keep my favourite player in prison and refuse to surround him with players capable of winning the league. I hate CJ as players. Down death to CJ as players. <laughs> Dead now, of course. But yeah, the people don't get it. Like, mate, Giant X is not going to do anything this split. I'm telling you, come on. What's no, this team going to do? There, there, are, there are a couple teams that it would be very shocking if they went on any kind of run. Um, I guess I, I like what are the teams I'm most out on? Definitely, I just hate that name, Giant X. Imagine it, I know. Uh, I, I just think the ceiling of that roster is really low. I, I'm actually. I'm actually kind of out on Vitality. And also, like, this, it's just one of the dumbest things ever. I learned this from Counter-Strike is don't do things that are shit, but also mega memeable. Like, if people don't know, famously, everyone remembers, he's not in Counter-Strike anymore, so it's safe to say this. Everyone will know in Counter-Strike, one of the best commentators ever, Sadikist, famously made a very inappropriate joke on stream. And the worst part about it in terms of, like, the legacy wasn't just that he'd be remembered for that, but he did it in a way where it was almost like he tried to make it, like, a meme. So, because it had a meme percent, it was like, I'm only at 50%. Like, it made, like, a meme that lasted forever. Like, it's the same thing. You can't be called Giant X. That even sounds like, right, where do I aim? Just... There's a giant X on it. Just fucking aim anyway. There's a million memes on this one guy. X marks the spot. There's all, there's so many fucking angles you can go with on this. Also, then you could just do all of the shit, you know, like when someone fucking leaves, that's it. They follow on their leaves. He's their giant X. Like, no, there's a fucking, there's a million angles. It never stops. It never I, I stops mean, the meme ability. Can we talk about their logo? Which is the uh, X, uh, the X inside the G. So the G is actually more giant than the X, but so they're not called giant all. G. They're called I giant know. X, even though the I X know. is smaller than the G. I can't, I can't deal with it, man. <laughs> 
Uh, and by the way, the G, this is actually somewhat fitting. The G looks like it's sort of like the fortress embattlements of like a, a protected area, but then you've got a wide open gate that people just walk through. It's, it's not properly connected, somewhat metaphorical in many ways, you know. Why Why is Odo Omne perpetually tortured? That's my question. No, yeah, he really had, here's the joke. I actually did a reflections with him at some point that will come out right. And unsurprisingly, he even does admit, even he thought at one point in time, maybe I'm just cursed. <laughs> like he said, after he lost that, you know, after he lost that one where he got reverse swept with Raw. Yes. He was yeah, like, you yeah. know what? Maybe I am just cursed. Maybe I'm just not supposed <laughs> to ever win in league. I don't blame him. It's like life just slapping him around all, every fucking year, isn't it? He can't get a break, mate. He can't get a break. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It, it, Welcome back, Ignar, to the LEC. Oh, God, he was not playing well, by the way. That obviously was like fucking bronze, and you're finished at the kids' table, and now you've come up to play with the big boys because, <laughs> bro, you have to see a champion. You play like this when you come back to Europe. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> he, he's been really disappointing, especially after having a very good Worlds performance, I thought, on oh. NRG. Yeah, that that hasn't been great. Hasn't been a great switch for him. I'm actually really surprised he didn't run it back on energy with the rest of the team. I I would have chosen NRG over this, Thor. I would have chosen NRG over this. <laughs> the money must have been really good on old Giant X. Um, also, maybe it, maybe naively thought coming to Europe and there'll be a top team and we'll make it to Worlds and all that. By the way, it's funny you won't. You won't. Be, you won't be going to Worlds. But you know, you welcome to you welcome back to Europe. I enjoy watching you play the odd engage game. The rest of the game, if it's enchantment matter, of course, I'm going to be really sad at you, Ignard. So I'm just waiting for that that matter to come along, mate. So it's all good. It's all good. Speaking of unending curses, what is going on with Vitality? They can spend a lot of money. They can spend a little money. They can change all their players. They can uh, change their also coaching staff. Also, the most staff. appropriately named org of all time in League of Legends. Because if anything, that's where people's careers go to die. They're not vital, are they? They go there to die. And I, I swear at this point in time, you could just take the JDG roster from last year and put it on Vitality and they go 0-3 as well. Like, it's impossible. There's something about that fucking bee that just destroys you when you get it on your chest. So maybe in this... Maybe the joke is, yeah, they need like fucking whatever that like it's like, that injection you get if you get stung by a bee or whatever. Like that's what you need in this case to live because I can't handle this. It's just depressing, isn't it? I mean, they get good plays. Like you never think this team's going to yeah. be bad, but they're always just super underwhelming. And watching this roster, let's talk about the game they played versus BDS because that was probably the most egregious one. If you guys didn't watch, okay, they have Jarvin, Rumble. Oriana, Varys, Rakan. Okay? Now, if you've been watching League of Legends, I don't know, at any point in time in the last 12 years, you might know that Jarvan, Rumble, Oriana is considered a very strong team fighting combination. And it has a name, the Jarvan, Rumble, the Hot Pot, right? Like, it, 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 the combo has a name that has been used for like a decade, all right? It's also am... just the most obvious combo ever. Think about it. The Jarvan goes in, then you have the Rumble, or the other fucking Oriana, but it's just obvious, is it? Oh, press, press the fucking R, press R, everyone. <laughs> yes, exactly. So what do you do with this composition? Come on, you, man. Let's, you let's engage. Let's crap. What, what do you, you do with it? Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> right? And especially when you have Oriana. Also, by the way, Oriana, Varus, and Rumble, constant high-priority picks in this particular meta that we've seen at the start of LEC. They somehow get all three yes. of these. Now, yep. 
again, at Worlds, we saw the Jarvan Rumble. This is not even in the recent past, guys. At Worlds, Jarvan Rumble, Oriana, all very high priority as well. Picked. We get to see all of these champions executed very well. They get huge leads, especially Photon on the Rumble. And people call out Hillisang. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Hillisang had a great week. But you focus on Hillisang inting, but nobody is talking about how in this game versus Team BDS, no one else engages ever, ever. They never get this combo off. They never Jarvan ult into a Rumble ult in the entire game. I don't know if I've ever seen that with this combination of champions ever. They have such a miserable coordination on the most basic composition. All of these guys are seasoned professional players who should know at a basic level how to do this combo. You have to, like, the draft, you pick it into Jin, Azir Karma. You can get on top of the Jin in the back line with this, but they never even go for the engage. They never even try. And so what you see is Hillisang going in on Rakan and dying and everyone else just standing there staring at him with all of their ults up. It was such a pathetic display of teamwork. Like pathetic. Like they, the wouldn't, way, yeah. they wouldn't even counter engage. They wouldn't take any opportunity. They wouldn't take any risk. It was crazy. And then all I have to do is watch this whole game where they refuse to group and like rumbles like fucking fucking off split pushing. Hold on, this mate. composition is about Photon controlling is objectives. Photon <laughs> is just in ELO helmet. Like he looks like for real, like there's not even comms in the team and he's just sat there and solo keep playing top there. Like, oh, I'll lose again because I'm up two kills, but there's nothing they can team. Dude, what's he doing wrong? Like this guy's just a good player, but he just gets entered by his team permanently. <laughs> or they just never do anything. Like you say, like he has the lead and then don't allow to do anything with it. I mean, he was pretty oh, bad in summer last year. Like, but he started out like quite good at, at the start like of 2023. Splits, yeah. He did taper off, but I mean, there were a lot, there were obviously like a lot of problems in vitality and maybe his motivation was just in the dumpster by the end, as I'm sure everybody's was on that team after the hype of, of them coming in. But like, he was doing work in this game and then he never, but part of it is just, he's like off wandering around in a side lane by himself instead of like trying to fight in river, which is where the rumble needs to be a lot of the time. But what, what an absolutely shockingly bad team performance. Shocking. I have a question for you, Monty. What do you think about Vethio? Think about what picks he did this week. What do you think about Zerath? What do you think, Monty? Zerath. So, in 2024, look, this really is a 10-year anniversary because that's when we used to fucking play Zerath in like season four. What What do you think about this pick? What did you think? So I think that it can be strong with some of the new items because the, the burst is certainly there. And artillery mages are unquestionably good with the new items. Now... Zareth is very difficult to play at the professional level because it's of like really hard, TP yeah. flanks and like a lot yeah. of the champions that are in the meta. Like you just kind of get bopped by a lot of gap closer junglers or like yep. top laners. It can be tough, but I do think that it it it, it could be good. That's that's my theory. What it, team it, would you like to see draft this? What sort of team would you want to see play it? Do you think? Um, I don't know if there's any team that. 
I, I mean, I, the, I think the obvious answer is probably BDD is because he's always been a very good long oh, range, gosh, sure. like, you know, poke mage player. Okay. Um, Faker would probably be another one uh, that I think would be suited for it at this point in time to kind of get it through the Perfect, laning phase. Yeah. Um, I, I'd love to see this paired up with a Jin at this point in time, just because then you have the two like super long range ultimates and like insane pick potential. Uh, I think that could be really fun. And also, uh, you know, oh, Jin with a lot of then, yeah. Yeah, Jin yeah, with a lot of lethal lethality is is pretty interesting at the moment. Um so I think there's ways to play it. Do I want VTO to play it? Not really. <laughs> right? It's it's not his wheelhouse pick. That's not what we think about when you know, we think about kind of assassins when we think about VTO. We think about a college. Uh, we think about going in and being a playmaker, and it feels kind of weird to have him on the Zareth pick. Now, there has historically people have liked Zareth into a zero as a matchup, so I think that this is an kind of an interesting experiment potentially on that. Um, so, it's an unusual pick. It's been a long time since we've seen that in competitive. I, I see why people are experimenting with it, though. There must have been some some. You know, there must have been some reason that they pulled off this pick. It must have been good in scrims or something like that. But there was also the fact that we've seen a bunch of Akali Azir matchups and kind of that matchup has gone either way and sometimes been actually quite a Akali favor. So my question against Fnatic is, why not just take that matchup for Vito? It wasn't banned in that game. He's a great Akali player. Matchup seems very playable for Akali. It, it's been a skill matchup for a long time, and I actually I was I was looking at it and thinking about whether it's still a skill matchup today because like Perks was dominating on it in that matchup, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if this has changed because of the new itemization or the changes to the game because we haven't seen a lot of it on this new patch. We've seen it a few games now. But I was kind of wondering if it was potentially even a little bit of Kali favored at the moment. And I, I haven't come down on an opinion about that yet. But it is interesting that we've seen some Akali players do very well in that lane. But why wouldn't you just have VTO play it? I don't know. It seems like a weird choice. Because the thing about that player is, it's funny because obviously everyone was thrown with the XL time. But if you just watch all his career, if you even go back to Misfits, what people forget is this. His strength was never like to be a lane god, mate. Like it was always, if you got into a team fight, fed, he carries the game. By the way, that's no mean feat. There are lots of players that are middlers that can't like carry an LEC fight every time you put them in there. If you get this drive through the game, get him his items, get him to the team fight, then peel for it. We, we can see he does work. The problem in this team is like, are they going to get to that stage in the game? Is he going to get a chance to actually carry these games? Because if he isn't, then Vitality is going to be a fucking meager squad. They're going to be really un underwhelming. Yeah. I it's it, it I I don't have good feelings about this team already. Like it, it it's deeply concerning that they can't execute one of the most bread and butter easy to execute compositions in League of Legends history that especially when these champions are all individually powerful and then the composition itself is not rocket science to execute and every single professional player should have a working understanding of how to operate Jarvan Oriana Rumble as a combo and what your win condition is, is. And to see that done so abysmally, it leads me to believe that there is no shot calling in this roster, like none. And I don't know how this team 
maybe they just had a bad game, but I was I was appalled. I was really appalled. Are you feeling fanatic? Obviously, kept the same team, but one player that just changed up. Trimby, obviously. What did you think of Fanatic? I think humanoid riding had... pretty high. A lot of people have them pretty high up. I've noticed. Yeah, I think humanoid has had some good games in the early season. But the question is, Memphis hum... smacking him in his face completely. I will say, like this is all the Champions League players, guys. Come yeah. on, but yeah, sure. And, and also, sure. I think I think if humanoid is guilty of anything, it's that his motivation wanes the more he is forced to like play the game of League yes. of Legends. So perhaps in the early stage of the season, he will look good. Um, admittedly, I'm not super excited about. Another round of Razork humanoid synergy and praying that that will work this time. Jun has been kind of a welcome surprise, I would say. He's looked okay uh, alongside Noah. And Oscar and has done pretty well in the top lane. Uh, this will still be a good team, right? This will still be a good team because the floor is high. But yeah, yeah. I, I think probably they will be surpassed at some point. It will honestly, I think a lot of it's going to depend on humanoid and Noah's individual performances because. Both of them started out good when they showed up last year, and then yeah, yeah. Like, over time just kind of went down, 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 down. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm wary. I'll put it that way. I'm wary. Razork still looks great, though. People here, if fans here, what's that? Thorin's a bit skeptical on Fnatic when other people rate them more highly. You know, change the record. It's like, look, it's not my fault. I just got lucky. It's not my fault it keeps happening. It just happens that what I want to be true also is true that I think this team's overrated and they'll drop off as the split goes on. But okay, they got some early wins. By the way, they did keep most of their real lineup. Like, they should start pretty well, you'd hope. So I just think this is the team where, look, it, based on what I've seen so far, yeah, they should still be like top four. But I just think this is the team that will get displaced when the other teams get. So when, when someone like um, Heretics or... Carving when one of these teams gets it together, they will displace Fnatic, in my opinion. But fair play so far. You have to give it up to Humanoid. Played some good games. They looked good in the outset. Oscar had a game or two that was decent. Yeah. I, I also think that they'll be a more consistent team, but we also saw throughout like the kind of three splits that there'd be like a pop-off team that wasn't expected every single one of those splits. And maybe it's SK this split. So I feel like they might be like the fourth best team and who's third best might change in any given split. Like that team might be much worse in the next split, but there's going to be some pop-off team that like hits the patch just a little bit better and maybe, maybe kind of outpaces them. So maybe more consistent Under over the way, course of the whole year. One thing I've noticed from watching all these LEC rosters the last few years is it's one of the areas I've got tricked by a lot of the rosters on paper is I actually think one of the biggest lenses that needs to start being applied that hasn't been applied so far is absolutely like which junglers we pair with these teams, mate. That is the one that's killing me these last few off-seasons, Monty. Because like I say, like you're taking players where it's like you're putting together like the support of Midlander with the support of Jungler. Like, the guy who's going to go farm Jungle, but then somebody wants to stay in lane all game. It's like, you're putting the wrong players together. Like, I feel like these, it's not season five. We can't just pe expect people's hands to win the game. Like, you've got to actually balance these teams out. So that's one area with some of these rosters I'm a bit so on. It's like, sometimes I, I feel like they almost pick the players in isolation and at the end go like, oh, cool, I've got like a good bunch of players. Like, you've got to pick the ones that fit together though. Yeah. Niski to Carmine Corp, man. What can you say? <laughs> That'll be the dream. Yeah. yeah, very, very weird, very weird that that didn't end up happening. But it's it's a hard job to GM in League of Legends because you don't know what oh, the game changes are when you're putting together a roster. Yes. So 
It's all kind yeah. of arbitrary in the first place. The real test of the GM I mean, is... I'll give you an example, Monty. If someone told you, like, sign ADCs, I would have had Kazi as one of my top ADCs. If you then told me he's going to be locked into, like, Varus games, like, oh, well, I didn't sign him for that, did I? I'd sign him to fucking play like Ezreal, mate. Like, you know, I, that's exactly the point, Monty. Like, you can't, you can't predict. You can't know what's going to happen in the game. Yeah, because you Riot doesn't release the information. I mean, no. you're the the free agency period, free agency period where everybody is already committed to a team is yes. like the day after the world championship ends. So you have no idea what is coming down the pike when it comes to the meta shifts that run. Like, how much are they going to mix up the game? You can't even theory craft. Also, even if you knew, it'd be impossible to really know how it plays out, right? But at least you'd have something to go off of. You really have nothing when you're assembling a roster, which is why the real GMing challenge is the is who you the the roster adjustments you make down the road. Yes. Which is another yes. reason why I like LEC system because it gives you Agreed. more definitive breaks to make roster. It gives you another opportunity to make a roster shift. Uh, especially if you're a ninth and 10th team, you can be like, all right, this isn't working. We're going to scrim for the next three weeks while the other teams are still participating. And we're going to do yes. it with a new player within that slot. We're going to call somebody up from our ERL team. Right. And I think that's the real hard part is because you don't actually know what each year is going to be and what tools you need to be successful in it until you, you've already signed your initial roster. And then sometimes that could just be a disaster for reasons outside of your control. Um, what now? <laughs> any other teams? What else we got? I mean, we could talk about G2, but I feel I feel like that's almost useless because for me... It feels obvious, yeah. G2 probably didn't practice a lot during the offseason. I imagine they were kind of bummed out after Worlds, and they know they can get back to the top. Like, so are you really concerned? Um, I imagine they're just going to ramp up over time. BDS is BDS. Like... They're not going to be a top team again. The ice guy is kind of like whatever, right? Um, we still don't really have a lot of information about why they got rid of Crown Shot uh, within this roster. Here's the thing. Because of those German label also, he is just sat there on the bench getting that salary, mate. Anytime you want to ring his number, he'll be there. He'll answer. He'll pick up the first <laughs> ring. He won't go to voicemail. Don't worry. Just call him up. He'll be there. One eight eight Crowdy, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, it... it I don't really care about this team anymore after they like bombed out of the world championship. I'm you know not... what? I can't I tell you one thing that does annoy me, by the way, Monty, is I actually do think if you're gonna do like a WWE approach where some of what you do is fake, it should there should be an obvious wink and nudge, you know what I mean? You gotta give like I'm not saying do like a the following is all fake. Like, don't do that. But you've got, you've got to sort of make it clear. Because if you saw, they did this thing where the Spanish and, like, fucking French broadcasts, Monty, did, like, a rating of the players. And then the meme was, they just voted, like, the French one voted all the French players amazing. And then the Spanish one voted all the Spanish players. It's like, but here's the bad thing, though. I actually do think you're doing that thing, like uh, the Azale liability shield premise I've explained for Worlds, where you ironically...
ironically pretend to support NA, then the second Cloud9 wins, you quickly remove the irony and go, I always really believed. And then the second they then lose, you go, well, you know, imagine if they could have won. You go right back to like the irony. Essentially, it's like the Stephen Colbert approach. So they do that constantly in these scenes. Like, We're just passionate. No, no, here's my problem. Dude, I've read the real opinions of some of the French. Dude, they really think Adam is actually sick. I'm not joking, mate. They think this guy is like a mega player. Like, there's people taking the fact that, like, on his matchups, he has a unique laning phase and saying shit like he's like the best laning top. Lane. Like, what are you talking? What are you talking about? What on earth are you talking about, sir? Because it's the thing. Yes, he can. He has these weird angles and always probably will. Like, he's some sort of like way, way, way more limited, like top lane power of evil or something. But the, the idea, this is like a top, by the way, if he is a top player, in my opinion, him being a top, top player last year was a symptom of how bad top lane was in Europe. Like, and by the way, it hasn't gotten better, Cabochard, fucking stepping up. But <laughs> come on, this team's just whatever, isn't it? Like, why would this roster be a top roster? We're not even hating. They're probably going to be middle of the team. Maybe they can be like seventh or eighth or sixth or something. That's I, fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. I mean, they kind of patched Zerg their way to a, a top, you know, a top two finish last year. And I think genuinely had good performances, but yeah. part of their strength is always that they're going to be a little bit weird. So it's hard to prepare against them really for what you might see. But the downside is that they're all very limited, right? They're all very limited. Like, you know, Adam couldn't play rumble at worlds. That's a, that's a huge fucking problem for BDS. Like it's a huge fucking problem. Um, you know, Nook's champion pool is limited. Shio is not really a great player. Like, Labrov has been a scrim god and a solo queue god for a long time and maybe is starting we're starting to see more of that actually on stage right now but their main carry player was Crowny. he was instrumental to their success and now he's no longer on this team and we have to wait and see if this new player can do that you know have those same kind of performances but Crowny was kind of the most well-rounded normal player on this roster and now he's gone so here we are right um just it, it's hard to get excited about them like they just have they're they're a severely flawed team that in the right meta or with a lack of preparation by their opponents can steal some wins but i just don't think they're going to be consistently top tier because here's the problem guys even if they manage to sort of scrap it together in lec let's say they do better than i said monty let's say actually they get in the mix and they come like third or fourth and they're like a potential world's team again i'm really taking pushing the ball out on this one right imagine a world where this lineup can go to worlds right now get ready to watch games as korean and chinese teams play them and you have solo laners adam and nook have to do all the work, and then if they fail, the insurance policy is a guy on Varus. Like, I'm out. Change the channel, mate. That's not, I, I, I'm projecting the end of the year, the best-case scenario. I don't want to watch it, mate. Like, can I, I'll just watch the other games. That sounds shit. That sounds garbage. Yeah, it's also strength <laughs> of schedule. Uh, we talked about Vitality's play. Um, like, Vitality lost to themselves. Like, I'll be very clear about that. They should have beaten BDS. They should have beaten BDS. They decided to lose that game. And then they beat, you know, BDS beat Giant X and they then G2 clapped them. Right. Do we really learn much about them? They they lost to the team we we expected them to lose to. They play they play a not awesome game against Vitality and they win against Giant X, the other kind of most one underwhelming team. They will have a much harder time going forward, no doubt. Oh, especially because they've kept the same lineup, so they don't have the excuse of, like, we're getting it together. Like, 
most of these players have all played together for a bazillion years and you all supposedly love the coaching staff. Same page, same language. What's the excuse then? Just fucking play League of Legends. I'm not stopping you. I've always said that, by the way. You know when players are like bitch and moan about your analysis? I always tell them, you know what, dickhead? You Unlike me, you have a secret hack that allows you to like make me wrong, which is you just win the fucking games. So if you're actually as good as you say you are, shut the fuck up telling me. Sit down and press buttons. And when you win, when you're on like an eight-game losing streak, I'm going to have a hard time saying your shit then, aren't I? I'll have to fucking read praise on you then. By the way, as I did, if you go back to that spring split, I did think Shio was like a fucking revelation, that split. He was like, suddenly he was like a top jungler. Him and Nook was working together well. They could get the fucking sick games off around Crowny. But I'll tell you what, ever since Shio took the dive back to normality, you saw the rest of the team withered on the vine. Adam's just this like fucking Russian roulette with like five bullets. <laughs> Fuck it, that's a banger right there. Fucking, what's his name? Like every now and then you just don't die. And then you've got fucking Nooks, like, all right. And then we're supposed to believe, like, they were sort of, like, holding back his power level of, like, the fucking, like, Rock Lee with the weights. Like, I can't play my Jace yet. They're not prepared for my Jace. Like, it was all right. So I just don't believe. Like, I, like, I'd love to know what the angle is. If someone's really a fan of this team and you think there's, like, hidden potential, just tell us now, who are the players that we're, we're undervaluing? Who's going to be, like, some top player in it? Like, at the end of, if you do your LLEC at the end of the year, which BDS players made it on there that made us totally wrong? Who, who should we be looking at? Because that's the other problem they have is individually well where are the where are the stars where, where are the yeah, names that's the problem. Like, like, <laughs> like if you were making a team like my old fucking grilled interviews like to save earth you must make a european super you're not picking anyone from this team I'll tell you that right now well the joke is it's like depends how doomed we are we're definitely gonna die maybe i might pick adam for a laugh but he's not gonna win the game there's like you'd pick all the other players in fact the joke is as much as you might think carmen corp shit tell you what if i took upset on that all-star team he's gonna fucking do some damage isn't he he's a pretty good player isn't he you know yeah, yeah. It, it, who knows you, you chuck you chuck the star player who got you there like i recognize that crowny didn't have a good worlds but he definitely had the oh, highest gosh. upside of any player on this roster the, the idea that he's the problem at the end of this i think is patently absurd uh, the last team I think we should just discuss quickly is obviously Mad Lions because they have exceeded expectations. You know, they took the core, you know, they took three members from the Movistar writers roster. Not a team that I watched in ERLs, but at least they have some established synergy, right, uh, from those moves. Merwin has been kind of fun to watch as a player, honestly. Uh, I think he's done pretty well. El, El Yoya El has been the player that we know he is. Frescovi has... He's he's been all right. Like he's done his job a lot of the time. Suba has definitely had some rather uh questionable positioning moments Gosh. at times. Like very, very strange positioning. Like if you look at the SK gaming, him on Lucian just opting into like melee range of a Renekton to get his face stunned was some interesting choices in some of these team fights. But um they are better than we thought. And what I like about this team is they're not afraid and they're aggressive and they like try and make plays, right? They're not they're not playing like a bunch of rookies that are scared. El Yoya definitely trying to be the tip of the spear and go for some aggression early. They don't, you know, they don't stop and second guess themselves in a lot of these team fights. And I think that's important because even if they make mistakes and they lose some games because of it, at least you can learn while you're doing that. Otherwise, you just never know your limits. So I'm liking what we're seeing. I don't think they're going to be great, but... They're certainly already exceeding expectations. 
No, no, I, look, I can see why, like, obviously they gambled on whatever they did in the RL, so there's clearly something there. The problem is, again, I'd say the same thing as the BDS one. Okay, if you are if you guys all watch the RLs and I don't, I just saw them in EU Masters, tell me which of these players secretly are the next All-LEC players that I'm not seeing. Which one of them do you want? Do you want Super? Do you want Frescoi? Which, which one do you want on your All-LEC list? Because there's one thing I notice people love to do. They love to dunk on us when we make, like, bold picks. But then when the team like this, like, overperforms, like... They don't ever themselves put skin in the game. They just go, ha, you said they wouldn't be good. What, what did you say? That's the question. What did you say, mate? Because it sounds like you didn't say a whole lot. So if you want to actually make predictions, by the way, now's the best time ever to make predictions. Because actually, I'll tell you what, a bunch of analysts are going to say, this is just because it's the start of the split. As the other teams get it together, they'll drop off. So if you want, if you believe in this team, double down. I personally think if you go look at the games, they could have lost most of these games and they could have lost a bunch of them completely outright. Like fair play to them that they got these early wins off. I definitely did not expect it. I didn't predict it. I bet against them. But I tell you what, I'm going to double down and I'm going to keep betting <laughs> against them. So I'll tell you what, if you're a Spanish fan out there, pump those motherfucking odds <laughs> up on all the games. And yeah, that's right. This split, just because of the nature of the league, I'm on the French side. Even though that's a complete betrayal of almost everything in my heritage, except for that time we saved them in a world war. I'm on the French side for this one. So Alès. Hey, that's the... By the way, that, I even have a French accent, but I intentionally said it in like a fucked up British way, like Alès. Because that's how we do it in Britain. We just, if you don't know, we just take your words and say them in our accent. That's what to, we do. Yes. To be fair, you guys were on the, you guys were on the same side in the most recent European war. <laughs> oh, well, there was also that period as well, to be fair, where they did actually, I can't really hate on them, but their king did literally take over our country. Like, so in many ways, they went on that one, the Normans, right? They did win that one. That was just kind of, so long kind of, before. Yeah. I mean, you, you, the English court. My problem is, if you're going to tell me I can't go on about frogging in season two, then you can't go on about fucking whatever his name is, like back in the fucking William the Conqueror in 1066. Exactly. That's a bit outdated, surely. Surely we can let that one go, guys. I mean, to be fair, the English nobility did speak French for hundreds of years after that point in time. It was the the, the language of 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 the the British nobility. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's like if people don't know, if you ever learn any Russian, a whole bunch of the words in that language were like clearly translated from or just get like loan words from French, believe it or not. Yeah, because it used to be the language of the world. Yeah. I mean, the joke is it's even called Langua Franca. Like Franca. Lingua Franca. Like, yeah, which just means like French language, basically. So yeah, what do you want? Uh, okay. Uh, any, other, any other topics you want to bring up before we do no, a few viewer questions? All right. So we'll take a quick break, guys. And when we get back, viewer questions for you. Right, we're back for viewer questions. If you would like to ask a question and support us, then one of the best ways is to subscribe to our Discord, discord.gg, last free nation. And if you subscribe, there's a channel there where you could submit questions. Monty curates them, finds the good ones. And in general, we do, if we have time, try to get through them all. If we can't, sometimes we don't. By the way, one thing I'm going to do in future as well on this and for Horsemen is every now and then, as you'll notice from that episode we had a few ago, sometimes I try and also just keep the guest on for the view questions. It's just fun. Like when we had Dom on, for example, because then he can answer a few of them. So as usual, in theory, we do allow almost anything is the question. Like, I always say it this way, Monty. It, you know what they're called, AMAs? I always tell people, oh, it's called Ask Me Anything. I don't, it never said I had to answer it, but you can ask me anything. So oh, of course. just ask away. Ask away. Uh, I'm putting a cap on this at 30 minutes because I am really fucking tired, guys, because uh, I have the new baby at home now, so I don't get to sleep anymore. Um, <laughs> and uh, that'll be 11 p.m. my time, so I need to go to bed so I don't die. Uh, 
Would you rather eat beans on toast or shin ramen for the rest of your life? I mean, that's easy for me. Here's what's actually fair about that, though, is if people don't know, that's one of the only times I've ever heard a foreigner actually appropriately categorize what beans on toast is. Whenever Americans dunk on that, Monty, I know they're dickheads because, one, they haven't had the Heinz beans. They're thinking of those, like, refried beans you have in America that don't have the same, like, sugar content and flavor. And then, two, they act like we eat that as, like, a delicacy. You know that is, by definition, the cheapest food possible because Correct. it is two slices of bread and a tin of beans costs eight pence. Eight <laughs> pence guys like that's like 10 cents if you don't know like so the whole point is that's what you eat when there's nothing left in the cupboards or you're just lazy so it's actually a perfect analogy because obviously ramen is like the most base level korean food that costs fuck all that you just eat when you haven't got any food left so i actually think it's pretty fair here's the funny thing i even though you're gonna say the the fucking ramen i would probably take the beans on toast no because here's the problem with the ramen right i don't mind spice monty i love samjang but I don't want that spice coming out of my arsehole from shitty ramen noodles. Like, I want it coming from something delicious, like some Samjang and Korean barbecue. I don't want that fucking, what we call the ring of fire, from fucking the most basic level noodles of all time. They're all right. There's nothing wrong with them. But there's, there's a reason they cost like 15 cents or something. Morning. They're not amazing, are they? Shin ramen all day. So my problem with beans on toast, Thorne, is that they're baked beans, okay? And there's nothing theoretically wrong with baked beans however the british have misused baked beans they are not a breakfast food they do not belong on your breakfast plate and i i'm a fan you don't have you don't have the baked beans when you have a full english breakfast i I don't like it that's what i'm saying so the full english breakfast so i love black pudding for example Okay, so I'm totally down with that. Baked beans, if you're American, that's where that's where it throws me because they're not breakfast food. Baked beans are an outdoor food in America. You eat them with barbecue for lunch or dinner. You do not eat them on toast for breakfast. And they just the rule of baked beans is you should never be eating them inside. That is that's the rule. Not for breakfast and not inside. They've been misused by British people for full English breakfasts. All I'll do there, all I'll do to combat Monty is just explain contextually what he just said back to you. So he just said it's inappropriate to eat baked beans indoor. You should instead eat a sausage made of blood for your breakfast. I like that's what he just said. If you if you don't know if that is actually what he just said. So I'm just like, going to put that out there. Okay. I like blood sausage okay. in all cultures. I like sundae, which is blood sausage in Korean culture, too. Black pudding is you the You know, shit. Monty, I only feast on <laughs> others' blood metaphorically in esports. I don't actually do it. In, I actually hate black pudding. It's not my shit, man. It's just not for me. So whatever. That's the thing, though. Actually, Shinyan ramen's all right, though. It's all right. And by it's the way, good. as I, I always like point out to people, I always tell people this, Monty, this is how I know if you actually know Korean culture. What do you mean who is non-shim? They make those noodles, you idiot. That's the most famous noodle yeah. brand ever. Look at the top of it. That is Nongshim Red Force. Look, not really the shit team, but that's the company. That is the company who makes it, boy. For real. Yeah. 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 Nongshim is the is the brand that makes a lot of the, the packaged ramens, and Shin Ramen is their, their most famous one. It is good. I like that one a lot. That's the one that I prefer to eat if I eat Korean ramen. Uh, hearing Thorin talk about Hector of Troy on last week's episode about how even when the battle is losing, you always choose a fight was really thought provoking. Yes, he is a very thought provoking character. It's amazing how you are able to remain vigilant in your desire to fight for yourself. Your confidence in yourself is really admirable. Has this mindset always been present in yourself or did it come later in your life? Do you have some tricks that helped you get there? I personally struggle with that as with everything I do, my mind keeps telling me to give up, let it go or not bother at all. 
it seems impossible yeah, to shut up. Yeah, I've got a few angles here. There you go. Like, first of all, this is another area where I absolutely wasn't like this when I was younger. Like, inside, I was a person, like I'm sure many of you, where if I watch a movie and it's like, you know, some hero standing against the crowd and doing the right thing, and it's, of course you all get that feeling in the movie of like, oh, fuck yeah, like righteous indignation. Like, yeah, I would, if I was there, I would do that. The problem is when you're put in that situation, though, my analogy would be this. I think people all understand the premise. Do you know when you see those videos, Monty, where it's someone on social media, they might be on like the, the fucking underground in New York or something. And someone's like bothering a bunch of the passengers. Someone's being obnoxious and antisocial to people. You know, everyone always goes, hey, if that was me, I'd fucking tell this guy to shut up. Oh, I'd punch him. I wouldn't just let a woman get attacked. You all say that, but do you not think every person standing there would think the same thing if they watched the yep. video? But the problem was when they were there, it's a different state of mind. I mean, I always say when you when you review online, it's almost like you're reviewing a game, like what they should have done is this, that, the other, and you have all the hindsight, right? In reality, you probably wouldn't, unless it was just in you, react that way. So I would say when I was younger, I was much more timid. I could be intimidated by people. There was times where I didn't stand up for myself or do what I want. But first of all, I think a key thing to this mentality is just the notion of drawing a line in the sand. You eventually, I think a key thing here is a lot of people can't set boundaries for themselves no matter what, because they think of things like, well, will this like affect my job or will people not like me or will there be reprisals? And what I had to learn was this. You have to figure out for yourself where the line in the sand is. And there's certain boundaries that you must hard enforce. Like if someone, I'll give you an example. Here's a personal example, Monty. I actually agree with the famous MMA fighter, Chael Sonnen. In my opinion, when you're in public and you don't know someone, you have an area, an arms radius around you, that if they aggressively enter, you can assume they're going to potentially kill you or beat you up. And I don't think in that scenario, if on the street someone just attacks you, you have to wait for them to actually clock you or hit you with a weapon. If they aggressively come at you in a way where you're telling them, stay away from me, stay out of my space, and they aggressively intentionally come to you, you can actually tell at that point in time, like... If, at least I'm giving this analogy if people don't know is in a street fight, the person who lands the first punch wins 90% of the fight. I might even knock you out. Like So in that scenario, you cannot allow the person to attack you. I would just say, once you identify that that's how you would like physically interact with the world, the knock-on effect should be there's sort of a mental version of that in your job, in your personal relationships. There's certain boundaries you've got to establish. So when it comes to my work stuff, like you're talking about, like being brave and being willing to like battle even if you can't win the fight. One thing I learned was... I think people get incredibly selfish even when they're trying to be heroes, Monty. Because what they'll do, I've seen this all the time with all that Neom stuff, is they don't really sit down and go, right, I really believe in this cause. Therefore, here's all the ways I'm going to do it. What they do is they sit down and they do a really cynical calculation in an equation like, right, well, I do care about it, but how much How much will it like hurt my public image? And then how much might it affect my career prospects? And who might be upset? And what might they do? And if you think of all that, well, guess what? You can talk yourself out of anything, guys. In that scenario, by the way, the other side didn't even do anything to you yet. They didn't force your hand. You gave up. You beat yourself. So what I did as well is I disconnected other people's actions from my own Monty. I give them agency. Because one thing I think people make a mistake with linear thinking is they think if I do something and then someone does a reprisal to me, well, that's obvious. It isn't actually. They had all sorts of choices. They could have ignored it. They could have replied in kind. If that person then does something like threaten my job, do that. But I did it for the right reasons. Then I, I take that as, well, listen, that's a bad person responding to me. I'm not going to go. Well, I 
I can't ever do the right thing in case bad people do things. By the way, part of the nature of wanting to live in a better world is you're going to have to clean up this one. It's going to be bad. There's going to be bad people. They're going to resist you. They're going to slander you, mischaracterize you. They're going to fucking say, even when you do something good, they're going to say it's for selfish reasons or you're not a good person or you want some separate. So in my opinion, like you've got to sort of figure out your own boundaries in that regard. And crucially, I think if you over speculate what can go wrong, you'll it's it's the way that it'll make you a coward in a way. It'll always because it essentially, Monty, if it's something that's just a principle or a statement, there'll always be a reason not to do or say it. There always will be. But I, I just think if you look at the essentially intention is also key to me. Like if it's a really important thing, then uh, fucking consequences be damned. Sometimes you have to do or say something, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And and you know, uh... I think that at least in the question was not aimed at me, but I will also answer it. Um, yeah, go for it. it. At least in my life, it's it's interesting because as a public figure, you obviously get a bunch of criticism about you and the way that you've done things or the way that you interact with other people or your career choices or your personal choices or your social media choices. And I think with me, it was just it. Here's an example for you guys. I obviously get a lot of criticism about how outspoken I was about riots in a variety of ways. And it's absolutely true that I was aggressive towards riot, that I burned bridges with riot, that I made myself a persona non grata. It's clear that they behaved extremely unfairly to me about my the, the way that my team was handled and the way that they were trying to use that as a reason to get me out of the scene. And it's 100% true that had I stuck around League of Legends, they eventually would have just kicked me out when they took over OGN and took over the Korean scene. They would have not offered me a contract, and that would have been that. We know that because they said I wasn't banned from casting, and then they just stopped hiring me for international events at exactly the same time when they had the power to do that. So it's not really a question. Now, a lot of people were saying, well, Monty, why didn't you just play nice with Riot? You were a fool to go do those things, to be critical of them. But at the end of the day, the reason why I did those things was because I believed that I should be treated better by a multi-billion dollar company who I was offering value to. I believed that I should get paid more than $3,000 a month to do an entire world championship. I believed that my peers as casters were being dramatically underpaid and treated badly by Riot. And I guess the way I look at these things is that when I die... What kind of person do I want to have been? And like, what is the, the you also just people always take the short, the short term upside over the long term upside. What would I have gained by just capitulating to riot? I would have been fucked just like everybody else has been fucked by them. Oh, well, man, the biggest joke is. If someone says to you that your approach essentially wasn't ideal strategy, money, we'll use like an LS approach, like you could have taken a different tack. All I'll say to them is you don't know what you're talking about. And if I asked you to name five people who did play a ball with Riot, who succeeded, the joke is you don't know how they were all fucked to a man or a woman. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. And the only no, is the short term gain. And there's no there's no guarantee that I would have been a massive co-streamer or something like that. Right. You know, my life took different directions. And also that wasn't even on the table when I left. Like people were like, oh, Monty, look, you could you could have been you know a big streamer on Twitch. It's like, guys, 
I had 15,000 concurrent viewers in 2015 when I skipped MSI and was doing those those VOD reviews. You know what I mean? I had that. The problem was is that you couldn't monetize Twitch at the time. Twitch Prime didn't exist. People weren't paying a lot of money. The the ads wasn't weren't there. The advertising wasn't there. It it wasn't good. Like I looked at that and I was like I could quit and make less money with 15k concurrent viewers. Now later on obviously that changed. But I had to make intelligent career choices at the time I was making them and you know, frankly, up until the point that LFN started, every single job, I made more money than my previous job. I was I was not only ascending in terms of financial well-being as a result of my decisions, I was also ascending in terms of career growth, responsibility, learning new skills. And when we started LFN, we knew this was a startup and it was going to be kind of shit. And like, that's just how startups are. But if I hadn't made those previous decisions to make more and more money, I wouldn't have had the freedom to support myself and my family while LFN got into a better place. You know what I mean? Like you have to have that money, that bank to take a risk. And at the end of the day, what I value is just doing things my own way and being able to live my values. And I just find that a lot of people are afraid of doing that. But my personal experience has been that if you have real values that are admirable, even if you fight the hard fight, even if you get temporarily knocked down, I promise you that by fighting that fight, the people you want to attract are going to notice and are going to admire you for it. And those are the people who are going to pick you back up and reward you. You know, like if somebody's doing something shitty, it's probably not just you that doesn't like it. There's probably a bunch of people that are mad at those same shitty people. There's a bunch of people who are mad at the shitty people at Riot. That's another reason I also think that it's worth doing these things, even when it has personal cost. Because life isn't just about you, you fucking selfish twat. What about everyone else? Like, here's one thing. If anyone fucks me, and have I kept to this or have I kept to this the last 10 years? If anyone fucks me financially, politically, I will expose them to the best of my knowledge publicly so that I'll tell you what, at a minimum, no one can say they weren't warned. You now know what that company did. You now know what that individual did, don't you? And I'll tell you what, that's the thing I actually do hold against the people who give in to Riot the most, is you turned around and basically let all your friends, in terms of just public information, be fucked by the same person. You essentially were abused and someone was a predator to you, and then you turned around and offered up your friends and colleagues to them. I can't be that person, mate. Like, yeah. at the end of the day, you can be a prick like Riot and fuck me over that LPL thing. I'll just make sure the world knows it happened. Therefore, the people going in that negotiation know that's possible. Yeah. And, and like, I knew the people at Riot who are running the esports show were shit goblins. And I knew they were hiring other shit goblins. And there wasn't a future where I didn't have to kiss the shit goblin ring. And like, I just don't want it. Like, it's not worth it to me to talk about a video game on their broadcast to have my life be capitulating to shit goblins. Like, that's not what I want in this world. So uh, I, you have to have confidence that you will have the skills and that by being vocal about your beliefs, there will be other people, good people, who notice that, right? And who admire your, you for speaking out. So even if it seems hard, it's really just better to like live your own values because otherwise you're just, you, 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 there are only ever two choices. You live your values or you live someone else's values. That's it. And if by capitulating your values, you are living someone else's values. That is the only decision. And people also, do like this. Also, like you say, mate, if you're going to sell out, 
Who the fuck's selling out to the devil to commentate fucking daughter All-Stars clone in 2024 for Riot Games? Like, if you want Monty to sell out, here's what you need. Get the list, Satan. Write this down in your post-it note. You need a $9 million a year signing fee, and then he gets to be Joe Buck's role on the NFL broadcast. Given that, he might sell out. That's about it, though. Unless he can get to those sticks, fucking Mephistos. Then it's Mephistopheles. Then it ain't happening. Okay, we're not selling out for League of yeah, Legends. Look, all right? I'm not saying I'm not saying I wouldn't sell out because I would. I absolutely would. But like, you have to make it worthwhile. You know what I mean? Like, Riot was like, "But Monty, what if you sold out for a hundred thousand dollars a year?" I'm like, "Nah." <laughs> it's like, my guys, I, I, like, fuck you. I could just go back to law school. Like, I don't need this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I also it's not, do think it's not like I don't have options. It's like you know when people in esports behind the scenes screw each other over for like three thousand dollars. I always think, bro, that first of all, take off the tax, then all the like value tax when you spend it, and they're like, this nothing. You did it for nothing. You did it for like a bag of beans, like you would eat. What is, you didn't even sell it for a good price, you moron. It's so sad, isn't it? It's so stupid. I don't what know, an industry. I, I don't know. So what an I, I, I've I've always I think just having faith in your ability to like navigate a situation is also just very important. Like you you have to just assume that you're going to land on your feet because you always will. The world is as well. The world's trick, a big place. A There's trick. lots of things you could do. What they intentionally build into this premise, you notice, is that there was an alternative. The, did, did you guys all get like a guidebook under your crop crib when you were born? There's no guidebook of like what you do instead that works. You are always making actions and taking choices and setting some boundaries. The question yeah. is, are you doing it or is someone else doing it for you? Like Monty said. So to me, the point is, look, here's the other lie about esports is that I've said this before. Where is the person that doesn't get hate messages? I don't know if you've ever followed Shox's social media. She's practically constantly under like a World War Z barrage of lunatics <laughs> trying to get in her mind. Like nobody is having an awesome time, guys, no matter how they yeah. play this. So to me, it's like it's like war. If you're in war, you may as well go for it, mate. What happens to the other one? What's the worst case scenario? You die. You die at the end anyway. You may as well just go for it and live right. your life, right? Yeah, and, and, and like <laughs> just go for it. <laughs> What what's so mind boggling, Thorin, to me is that people always choose comfort. And this is, I will say, this is kind of weird about me. I kind of, I relish the fight in many ways because I like the uncertain. I I get off on the uncertainty that it brings because it forces me awesome. into uncomfortable and unique situations where I have to be resourceful to save myself. Right? I have to figure out how I'm gonna make something because everything is fucked up because I chose to fight the fight. Right. And people don't like that. For example, nobody at Riot gets fired over the hundred million dollars settlement to every female employee that ever worked there. I haven't heard anybody take a stand. I haven't not to say it hasn't been done. I haven't seen anybody be like, you know what, Riot on social media? I'm a producer on Wild Rift and fuck you, you shitty ass company for doing this. I don't want to be here anymore. You didn't hold anybody accountable. There hasn't really been a change. How, how can we change culture when it's the same people? Apparently, nobody was responsible for the culture. That's actually impossible. So you know what? Fuck you. I'm leaving. Nobody did that, as far as I know. So no, no. you are then just signing on to the culture of abuse that happened. And people will do that because they like to delude themselves that riot is changing because they said, we're so sorry, we're going to change. Also, we paid the government, you know, we paid the government made us pay a hundred million dollar settlement. 
But they even though they could work for a variety of different developers, they could work in, you know, a software engineer can work in a lot of different places that aren't video games. They prize the comfort of their current situation and the pleasure of that, that their minds will do almost anything to justify them staying there, even if it is entirely against their own moral code. Like, I don't know how you could be a gay person at riot and see them partnering with the Saudi government right now and just be like, this company shares my values working directly with a country that would execute me. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you make that work in your brain and not just be like, you know what? This really just isn't for me. I'm going to go get a job at Epic. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, awesome. it It's, it's wild. So, you know, you have to be willing to, like, put those lines down, and very few people will. But I promise you that in the long run, your life will be more rewarding and more interesting and uh, more principled and uh, probably more financially successful if you do these things because you're not a bitch. So that's a very long answer. I've recently been getting into Total War Warhammer 3 and been spending a, a lot of time playing with it with my mates and learning about the lore. Are you guys familiar with any of it? Yes, I played all of those. I played every Total War game, including all the Total Warhammer games. The only one I haven't played is the most oh, recent I, one. I wasn't even aware there was a Warhammer flavor of it. Is it good? Because well, I've always thought, obviously, the joke is it was stag. I wasn't aware there was actually a good Warhammer game. I knew there was Total War. I've seen that. I didn't lose a Warhammer version, though. Yeah, it's great. In fact, Thorin, there's not only one game, there's three games, and when you have them all, they all come into one giant globe-spanning oh, right. map. Okay. Oh my god, this nice. is great. I didn't know you didn't know this. Yes, they rule. Oh, no. <laughs> um, there were some complaints. Play. I I haven't played the, the Total Warhammer 3, Total War Warhammer 3, as much as 1 and 2, um, because I haven't had the time, and uh, I have heard... I've only played a little bit of Warhammer 3, and people have said it's not as good, but Warhammer 1 and Warhammer 2, I played hundreds of hours in, and they're great. Um, and yes, I... Is it supposed to be like a... Is it original, or is it 40k or what? Uh, no, it's original. Original. And it's before the Age of Sigmar, did, so it's the original how mythology. How did they handle, like, the Chaos Gods and stuff? How do they do, like, magic stuff? Is there, like, spells and shit? Yeah, there's spells in the game. It's cool. Right. <laughs> and there's okay. flying units, and yeah, it's ah, great. Right, it's, okay. it's really fun. Um, I love all of the total, the older. To I know Creative Assembly's been in like a bunch of shit recently because they've been kind of dropping the ball, and the Pharaoh game was apparently garbage. But man, like uh, Medieval Two, one of my favorite games of all time. Rome, Total War, one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, yeah. Shogun really Two, one of my favorite games of all time. Um, I love all of those games, um, and I have played hundreds, hundreds of hours of. Total War Warhammer 1 and 2. Because I and think I, it's just cool that they did like a fantasy element, man. Like, yes, actually, it's really the, good. You, you should play it. it. <laughs> like, why aren't they doing like Total War Iliad or some shit like that? Like, it's actually they showed, did. Like, oh my God. In. Dude, they really? did. They just released Total War Troy. <laughs> I like how Thorne's just discovering this and he's saying the things that they did. Doesn't anybody know the old games that are based on like real wars and like actual battles? Yeah, so yeah. I thought it was just like the same engine a million times. So actually, the idea of reskin it like this is a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I would definitely, you should play it. It's really fun. Uh, those, I've heard less good things about three. So they added in three, they added like Cathay, which is like the Chinese themed uh, culture. Right. Um, but basically in each of the three games, they added like new continents and new, uh, playable right. factions. And so they have, by the way, if I actually wasn't an honest person, if I was just a plant and that whole thing was a setup to like, but wait, there is a total water. That would actually be <laughs> sick. Like, when we pulled that off. Sadly, it was genuine guys. I was earnest. 
Yeah, no, it's good. Um, I'm I'm a big fan uh, of. As if I was like, "What's that, Monty?" And it's available for 19.99 on Steam right now, but only in the next two days with the code. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. We always should do that. Like, weave it in, you know. Yeah, but I, just in general, guys. I mean, if you watch my streams over the years, you know I love like 4x strategy games. Like, I love Crusader Kings. I love Stellaris. I love the Total War games. Like, these are these are my jam. Um. So I they're they are doing some corrective stuff with Warhammer three where they I think they're giving stuff away for cheaper or whatever because the game wasn't good but yeah oh okay. uh, anyway great games love them uh, I I have not played a lot of Warhammer three though because I haven't had the time but I will get into get back into it at some point which will not be soon because I'm insanely busy uh, congratulations on the tenth anniversary of Summoning Insight it is happening in February. Um, if aliens came and invaded Earth and you had to put together a League of Legends team to win a single best of five against the aliens to save Earth, which five players can you choose? You can choose any player from any point in history. The patch will be 2023 World's Patch, and the team will have four months to prep on that patch. This guy's team would be 2016 Smeb, 2020 Canyon, 2019 Rookie, 2018 Uzi, and 2023 Caria. The coach Pretty slash main good team. The coach slash main sub would be 2023 Faker. <laughs> I think mean, that's a straight fire. By that's the way, the joke team. is the fake one. The end's even more based in it. That used to call. Actually, that's a fucking that's a pretty fire team. He's good in there, man. That would be a very good one. Like the mechanics on that team are insane. Yeah. Yeah. 2015 Faker would be a fun one to have in there too. Um 2019 rookie, though. Very good. I like 2016 Smeb. 2020 Canyon. All right. You could do twenty eighteen score though too, because obviously this is actually an angle which is if people don't know is why I don't ask the alien question in reflections even though I used it at the end of grill is because unfortunately it's a great question but most pros just they thought it was like yeah the five best players it's like that's not really the question like if in many ways the question is saying who would you trust to win a game to save all of the earth so that's why actually for example even if I think Rookie was better than Faker Monty I'd pick Faker for this he's probably the most clutch mid laner ever like he's pretty fucking good under pressure over most of his career so maybe like 2015 Faker or something probably unbeatable player right like yeah. similar you can go with other positions like by the way Deft could easily be on here I know people think he's a bit of a joke actually I'd say some of his teams were let down I think Deft could be on there. I mean, there's loads of jungles, right? We could have score on here, obviously. And people will say Mata, like 2014 Mata. 2014 Mata would be another one, right, for support. Um, yeah, pretty good. Loads good of list, top though. players, by the way. We could do loads of top players, yeah. <laughs> good list. Uh, in, last week, in last week's episode of Best Damn League Show, you discussed the Heretics team. It was suggested that they might lack firepower and that the team's success depended on Wonder's carry capabilities. You also identified KC's strength by playing through Bow. I think both teams would greatly benefit from an ADC swap between Heretics and Carmine. What do you think of those new teams? So upset to Heretics. And then Flackhead, Flackhead to, to, uh, to Carmine Corp. The problem is I think it'd make Carmine Corp probably worse, but it might make Heretics better. It might be an interesting one. would be interesting. No, I agree with That's that. It's hard, it's hard to think how that would make Carmine Corp better. <laughs> Yeah, that's the problem. Is I feel like the why would KC agree to that one? <laughs> Basically, I mean, I guess his logic is to repair him with Targarmus. Maybe that's his logic there. You know, but yeah, that, that lane. On that one. You know, it didn't last that long anyway. So what is like a legendary lane or anything like that? Next one is LMQ flew through Challenger series and eventually represented NA at Worlds. From Elo boosting to domestic violence, are there other behind the scenes stories about this roster? 
I actually don't know very many behind the scenes stories about LMQ. They didn't really interact with other LCS teams because they all were just speaking Chinese. You know what I mean? Like they didn't speak any English or really interact with people in the English speaking community while they were in. Well, I mean, one thing you wouldn't be able to comment on, because you know, you were obviously the coach of the team. Wasn't, weren't they supposed to be the team where, as you can imagine, the scrims were just like perma bloodbath. Like, oh yeah, they were insane. Yeah, they were crazy. (laughs) 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 It was like constant LPL game. You know, it was like LPL madness at the time. Like the, the chaos just constantly going on. Yeah, it was, they were, they were terrible. They were terrible scrims. Uh, if you could remake the format for the LEC season finals, how would you change it and how many teams would you invite? I wouldn't have it. I would just extend the summer playoffs yes, in and same. not have summer playoffs and then season finals. I would just have a longer summer season playoffs. Like that's what doesn't make sense to me about that is there's there's actually just no need to have another bracket at the end of things. It, like this is what Riot does. They make weird weird rules. There is no rule that says all three splits have to be the same format. That's not a rule. You could just have winter and spring be the same, and then summer be almost the same, except you retool the playoff bracket that results out of the summer groups. I just think it's a more natural fit, and it eliminates a lot of the concerns with, like, the season final summer finals feels anticlimactic because of season finals existing right now. It's too close. Like here, the reason why it doesn't work is because we have to clear so much of the space for worlds. If it was the case that like the season finals was at the end of the year and it's only a domestic league, maybe it makes sense. But I agree with you. All you do is you make summer finals not really feel like the finals, but then you also, when you get to the season finals, like wait, so what was I just watching? And it just feels weird. Like I, I agree. You just make summer bigger. You make summer a big deal is what you do. It's obvious to me. How do you guys look to like to cook your mashed potatoes? Okay, well, I can give you an in-depth answer here. Is there a particular way you enjoy your mashed potatoes? Or? I mean, I'm not really much of a cook, but as far as I know, this is another example also of where I always say the difference between like very basic British food and a gourmet version is night and day. Because if you make mashed potatoes, as far as I know, this isn't the secret like put cream or something in Monty. So you do something to sort of make it's it a lot a bit, of like, butter and a lot rich, of right? heavy cream. Yes. There you <laughs> I, go. Okay, I will answer this in two ways. How healthy am I trying to be? Like, how much effort am I putting in these mashed potatoes? Because at the end of the day, what you can do is you can just kind of like cut up a bunch of potatoes and put them in a pot and in cold water, and then just you don't even have to wait for it to boil. You just boil them in the, and then what you do is you drain them and you mash them and you add a little milk and butter, right? Add salt and pepper, and you're done. That's the easy way. But there's a reason why if you order that in a really expensive restaurant, it's going to taste a lot better. And as Monty says, spoiler, don't have to care about how much sugar or milk creams and then they're going to go ham on that shit, right? Let me put it this way. That's what I would do for myself to like have a side of mashed potatoes with a steak if I'm grilling it at home just for like myself and my wife on a normal night because I'm not going to spend a whole fuck ton of time making super complicated mashed potatoes. All right. Now, if you want me to go super ham with mashed potatoes, here's what I would do. I like skin on on my mashed potatoes because I like a little bit of skin in there to provide difference in texture. Okay. <laughs> Thorin would hate this. <laughs> I like skin. skin on it, I, I love oh. skin on mashed potatoes. Um, I also like it not to be super smooth. So like, don't like immersion blended. Yeah, don't make so it it's too creamy. Yeah, exactly. Don't make it I, too I, blended. Exactly. I, I like little chunks of like the potatoes in yes. there. So it has some differentiation in the texture. So I prefer just yes. to hand mash it with a masher and not do it, go too crazy. Okay. Then what you do is 
if you're like, let's say you're baking a roast or something like that to go with it, inside the oven, get a little glass or, or metal container, chuck some olive oil in there, and then just throw a bunch of garlic in there. Roast the garlic with the dish that you're roasting in the oven. Pull the garlic out, add the roasted garlic and the olive oil to it, mash it up with the masher inside the potatoes so you have roasted garlic. Then get a bunch of aged cheddar, shred the aged cheddar, melt it into the mashed potatoes. Then take a whole fuck ton of heavy cream. Do not use milk. Use heavy cream and put like two sticks of butter in there and it will be delicious. The rule is you just put more shit that's bad for you yes. in there, like heavy saturated fats. The the more cream and butter you put in there, the better it's going to taste. The more no, like, so like cheese you, say, you put in there. You can also obviously put in things that sort of infuse flavor. Like you could also try rosemary as a classic one. By the way, yep, another thing you can one. do if you're actually cooking meat with it is just put some of the meat fat in. Just pour some yep. of that and that'll make it fucking delicious yep. too. Yeah. You can put, you can put uh, chives in there too, add a little spice to it. So yeah, it, it, I, there's lots of things you can do. It's just a matter of how much effort and how terrible you want to make them for you, but also delicious. <laughs> Uh, what are the odds we see Alfari again in LEC this year? I actually have no idea. I can actually potentially give a little hint to that. So basically, as far as I know, not very high. Like, I actually believe he would if he got, like, the right offer in the future, come back at some point in time. It's not off the table. It's just at the moment, it's not certain. And as I pointed out on a past episode of Summoning Insight, because I've actually been able to speak to him, Monty, that actually is something I actually think is no small deal. I want to highlight it again. Even though, as I pointed out with the labor laws in Germany, as Excel showed, if you are someone like Crowney now, you can just sit and say, hey, you signed me to a contract. I was, I wanted to play, so give me the contract. By the way, Alfari could have done that this whole time and been sat getting an enormous check from Vitality. And he actually chose not to do it because he just thinks even if it's legal, he doesn't think it's right. What if you know some of the things about this guy behind the scenes? What a fucking G. We were talking earlier about being people of actual like integrity and principle. This person's doing it, they're actually living like what they actually think the world should be. Fair play. He could just sit back like Southmade did and just fucking play solo queue and get paid more money than God. But he actually chose, nah, fuck it. I've had my money, I've had a great career. For now, I'm chilling, so I won't make you pay. I think that's actually very admirable. Yep. I'd love to see him come back as well. I thought he was a brilliant player. Uh, obviously, if he was highly motivated, I would love to see that as well. All right, we're going to do one last question. That's going to be it for tonight because I need to sleep. Uh, does Thorne have an esports interviewee white whale, someone who he wanted to interview over the many years in the space but was never able oh, to land easy it? one. All right. There's an e well, here's the problem. When he said the last part, like, I'm going to have to cheat a bit because when he says, like, that I never managed to land, I mean, the problem with that one is most of the ones I haven't interviewed so far, I've never tried for. Like, like I've never tried interviewing Faker Monty, mainly because I actually think unless I had the right sit-down environment and a certain amount of time and a transfer, I just don't think it would be a great interview is the problem. I've done a lot of those Korean interviews. It's rare that people, like, if you remember that first flame one, are super articulate and give all crazy thoughts and detail. It's not going to be, but if there's one where, look, I have interviewed this guy, but it's just in the last few years i don't have contacts i've been able to do like a modern day reflections the obvious one is cooler it's probably my favorite player of all time in esports mm. and i only interviewed him like you know post game interview style back at like iems in like 2011 or something months you know i've never actually sat down and done like a full reflections where we got to go into all the different areas and stuff and actually i've even i even think with him he's someone where i might even do it through an interpreter because he was one of those people people thought were funny when they had the broken english but i once saw a russian interview translated and man he was mega articulate compared to that like, like this, it, 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 it was almost like po poetic with some of the things he was saying. So I actually think I'd also try and do it in Russian. So that's probably that one. By the way, if he hears this, reach out to me. We'll do it. But just been able to get contact in the last few years because he's been fucked, like semi playing Quake every now and then. So just haven't done it yet.
I'm, I mean, I'm surprised actually. Cause it seems like you would be able to get in contact with him about that kind of stuff. So the and problem is, like I personally was trying to. Yeah, I probably would do it. By the way, he's like yeah. friends with me at the time. I, he's just one of those people where I try to directly contact the player. I'm not obnoxious. I just like manage the manager. Like, can I do an interview? I try to see if the player directly does so. Just lost contact over the years. That's all. Fair enough. Good answer. All right, guys, uh, if you have other questions we didn't answer, go ahead and ask them once again, and we'll hopefully get to them in future weeks. Uh, we'll be back on track with all the content that you enjoy at Last Free Nation. Lots of new fun stuff happening this year, and so stay tuned. Subscribe to the channel. See you then.